seat. Class is in session. Hello and welcome to Marvel School for Dummies. I am your professor, Learen Jass. I am joined by my co-professor, Jordan Deeb, and our lovely student, Victoria Lyman. Yes, and this week our lecture is on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, uh, released in 2017. Uh, yeah. One of the few movies that crosses, one of two movies in the MCU that crosses phases. It was released as a part of Phase 3, even though it actually takes place during Phase 2. Just a little reminder, we're doing this in uh, timeline order, not theatrical release order. And it is uh, written and directed by James Gunn, starring the same cast of the last movie, uh, with a few new characters... And yeah, before we jump in, Jordan, what is your uh, general opinion of this movie? Oh, I adore this movie. Like, I think that there are some parts of it that are worse than the first, but I think that the heart behind this one is better than the first in terms of like uh, the emotional weight that actually happens to it and the way we develop some of our characters. I think honestly, just the parts that are worse is just the uh, like trying to cash in on what made Drax and Groot fun from the first movie. They just a little bit too much try to like lean into it and it feels unnatural. Whereas the first one felt natural. Yeah. Um, I love this movie. I don't like the first one. I really like the second one. It's probably because the second one is a little bit darker. However, there is a specific scene that always fucks me up and it's why I don't rewatch this movie. Uh, we're going to learn real quick in this episode. Lear is fucking terrified of space. Oh, mood. Oh, I know what scene you're talking about. Yeah. That one, I like space, and that one freaks me out. Not a fan. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, this movie dives more into our storyline on where Quill came from, along with some other lovely characters. Victoria, what were your general opinions on uh, the start of this movie? I think I think um, something finally beat Captain Marvel. I think this is my favorite one I've watched so far. <laughs> it was I don't it was like like you said the stakes are so high. I'm like yes, we need them this high. <laughs> um, the mm-hmm. characters finally felt more grounded in this one. I know that we, we talked about how in the first one they feel a little bit like movie caricatures. They kind of shaped them up a little bit better in this one where I'm like, okay, they feel a little more realistic and like there's some backstory going on here. Um, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. I this it was a good time. I would one hundred percent watch this one again and again and again and again. <laughs> okay, well, without further ado, let's jump into our review. So we open the film in Missouri in 1980 with Meredith Quill uh, riding in the car, listening to the radio with her boyfriend, who she calls her spaceman, played by the lovely Kurt Russell. Which, Uh, like, once again, how do they get these people in these movies? Oh, just keep in mind, this one came out 2017, so at this point, people are like, oh, if Marvel asked you, you fucking say yes. but it just seemed funny that, like, I don't know. Kurt Russell is also just, like, a weird guy fair um and wait until i read you the list of people who are in the running for ego because it's a list (laughs) um they go behind a dairy queen and run into the woods where the man shows meredith a small alien seedling which he says will eventually be all over the place then he kisses meredith 
We flash forward 34 years. We are now in 2014, because uh, this movie takes place only a couple of months after the first one. And we are reunited with the Guardians of the Galaxy. We have Peter Quill, Gamora, Rocket Raccoon, Drax, and Baby Groot out of his little pot with his tiny little legs. I'm obsessed <laughs> with him, like everyone else on the planet. I literally texted Learen during the movie, and I said, Groot's little legs running around, they're so cute. <laughs> It's adorable. Tiny short legs. Um, I also, in case anyone cares, immediately bought a group pop Funko on Amazon after watching this movie. I heard. I heard about that. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, so uh, they are standing on a platform as they try to secure Anulax batteries from their latest employers, the Sovereigns. For their, yeah, from their latest employers, the Sovereigns. The Guardians have their weapons ready as they gear up for battle. An interdimensional beast known as the Abelisk attacks, uh, leading the Guardians to spring into action, except for Groot, who is jamming out to Mr. Blue Sky. <laughs> I love this opening. It's such a good... Also, I... Okay, I don't know where to start. First, I think the opening is great in general. It sets the mood. It sets the tone. We get a little bit of baby Groot action. Secondly, I think Mr. Blue Sky is a great song to add to all this. Mm -hmm. um, I think that there are some lyrics from the chorus that can like reflect on how Peter feels about his dad at some points. And then also, there is a behind-the-scenes video of James Gunn dancing for reference of how he wanted Groot to oh move. Oh my god. And it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, I um, loved... The, there's the tiny little the little ones that look like the big monster and mm. they look like dart from stranger things <laughs> yeah they do and i was like oh my god crossover <laughs> do you know what confuses me about mr blue sky what that it's not one of the songs for gardens of the galaxy mission breakout Ooh, is that something from Disney? It's the ride at Disneyland. Oh. Maybe they can, sure for some reason, I don't know why they wouldn't be able to get rights to use it. Yeah, I don't know. Especially because the monster in that ride is very similar to the monster they're fighting in this scene. Yeah. Um, Like, they use footage from this section in the ride. Yeah. Um, Which, we'll talk about the ride a little bit after this, because I can't help myself. <laughs> but that's at the Fair end. Enough. Um... The except for Groot, on a speaker that Rocket set up while the others are trying to annihilate the monster. Drax ends up falling on the speaker to Groot's dismay. Since they cannot harm the Abolist from the outside, Drax tries to kill it from the inside by allowing Which it to is, swallow him. What is the thought process there? <laughs> See, I think, I don't know, like it kind of makes sense because some creatures have like exoskeletons. So that's why like, I feel like Gamora's the this is like the one time where she doesn't say something intelligent where she's like it's the same thickness and I'm like yeah but you could still pierce through it if it's not if it's softer I don't know I feel like it's weird and I watched it and just went this is the Hydra scene from Hercules but Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy like almost frame for frame um and I don't know how that got by people <laughs> but it it is almost frame for frame uh how Hercules kills the Hydra in the Disney Hercules movie. Um, As opposed to the Fox Hercules movie. 
Well, there are other popular Hercules yeah, movies. Um, Star-Lord notices a cut on the monster's neck and orders Rocket to get it, uh, to get it to look up. Gamora then slices the obelisk downwards, killing it and letting Drax spill out of the hole. That's the other thing, is Drax jumping inside doesn't fix it. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I remember him just going and just going ham on it. Yeah, and it doesn't yeah. work. Like, it's still Gamora from the outside. I know, and then he, he still thinks he like, did it, though, which is even funnier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Guardians bring the batteries back to the Sovereigns and meet their high priestess. Aisha? Yeah. Okay. Wait. Who? Who are the sovereigns? I'm very like. I just. Yes, I Those know that. People. Um. And it's. Go ahead. That's really all. All you have. Okay. To know I don't. About the there isn't anything else I need to know about them. Okay. There's nothing like super important about it. Like they just like all of a sudden showed up, and I was just like, okay, these people are high and mighty, and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Yeah, and the whole thing is like Did Victoria cut off for you too? You froze. She was you, just you laughing. Cut you froze. Oh, okay, sorry. I you cut off on my end. Anyway, yeah. Um they the whole thing is like they make their own people, but like perfect and like I don't know how to explain it. It's very highly advanced. Yeah. But it's also it's also because, like, the movie very much changed who they are from the comics. Like, it's a very different, like, they're not big in the comics. I don't think they've been featured in a comic since the 90s. Um, like, it's just, I think that he picked the Sovereigns because it was, like, an easy one to throw in where the people who do know who they are would have that little, like, uh-huh, but... You don't need to know okay. who they are. Okay. I didn't, yeah. I felt like I probably didn't, but it was still, I was like, okay, we're dropped into this scenario and I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in exchange for the batteries, the Sovereigns deliver Gamora's sister Nebula to the Guardian so they can take her to Xandar and collect the bounty on her head. Before they leave, Aisha talks down to the Guardians, but Peter in particular, noticing his half-human, half-alien heritage, gives him something she deems reckless. The Guardians leave with Rocket swiping some of the batteries for himself. Because, of course, God he does. Damn it, Rocket. <laughs> uh, on their way to the planet Xandar, the Guardians are suddenly met by a fleet of sovereign drones going after them for Rocket stealing the fucking batteries. The others figure it was Rocket that took them, and they're all very mad at Rocket, understandably. I also greatly enjoy in this scene that there is no question over who took it. They all know that Rocket did it. Yeah. Um... The drones start attacking as Rocket tries to steer the Milano towards a wormhole that will lead them to another planet. In the distance, another craft passes by and starts to destroy the Sovereign drones. A man appears to stand on his ship and wave to the Guardians. The Guardians escape the drones, but must crash land on a nearby planet. As the Guardians observe the wreckage of their ship, the other ship that saved them descends. Stepping out is Ego, where he reveals himself to be Peter's father. With him is his empathetic assistant and one of my favorite MCU characters, Mantis. I Which love Mantis me. so Which... much. She is so pure and so nice and just like 
I just want to protect her. Jordan, (laughs) I get you being like, this doesn't make sense for Liaren, but I get Liaren being like, we need to protect her. Because after you find out about ego and how ego works, and you think she's she's been isolated there with him, like I'm like, no, we do need to protect this precious being. No, no, no. (laughs) And for the record, like, I don't mind Mantis at all. But like for Liaren to be like, I adore her. Like, I'm, I'm sure Liaren would protect a lot of characters that she finds <laughs> annoying if the situation called for it. But just her being like, I love Mantis. I'm like, really? I love her. She's just so cute. And like, I'm like, okay, like, you're weird, but you got the right energy. And like, you don't mean any harm. Yeah. And like, I don't know. Like, she... There's something about her that differs from Drax that makes me like her and want to protect her at all costs. Where I'm like, if we had to leave Drax behind, I wouldn't be that. <laughs> uh, That's because Drax is like, he knows things. He's just literal. He doesn't know, I guess, English expressions. Yeah. Whereas Mantis literally only no vibes. <laughs> or no, no thoughts, only vibes. Yeah. 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 Um, it reminds me of when Bill Hader tells that story about when they, um, him and everybody that was involved with uh, Trainwreck, when they all went to Seth Rogen and Bill Hader and Judd Apatow, everybody who was involved went to Amsterdam and they all got crazy high and Bill Hader lost someone in the red light district that like, have you guys not seen this Seth no. Meyers video? Wait. Oh yeah, I was gonna say, it's Seth Meyers that they lose, no? No. They lose, um, I don't remember her name. It's some female comedian that everybody knows who's high as balls freaking out holding on to Bill and Bill loses her somehow. And it's like, I would be mad at Bill for losing this sweet, innocent child who's like, I don't understand what's what's a big deal about the red light district and Bill Hader going, look to your left where there is a naked woman in the window. (laughs) Like, goddamn. (laughs) Like, that's just how I feel about Mantis. So, on another planet, uh, Yondu... And his team of Ravengers have fallen on hard times. He's staying in a nearby hotel where Howard the Duck also makes an appearance. Yondu. Oh, it was. Sorry. I looked it up. It was Vanessa Bayer. <laughs> yes. From oh, SNL. No. <laughs> she is very pure. Yeah. And she was holding on to Bill Hader, asked her, asked him, why is the Red Lake District such a big deal? He literally told her to look to her left where there was a naked woman. And then he went to do something and turned back and she was gone. <gasps> oh, no. And like they had to go look they all had to go looking for her. And he doesn't confirm it, but he says it's the whole train wreck group. And I really, I really hope Brie Larson was also there for this experience. Oh yeah, she was in that movie. Yeah, she plays uh Amy Schumer's I've sister. never seen sister, I, right? I've yeah. never seen this movie because I don't I I don't It's like the one funny thing that happened with I Amy was gonna Schumer. say I don't like Amy Schumer. It's the only good this content the with Amy exception. Schumer. It's because ju- she didn't write it. Jub- oh, Jub- okay. Then we yeah. give it. It's not yeah. her project. We'll it it's Judd Apatow just cast okay. her. I'm gonna yeah. go. Yeah. And Bill Hader carries that movie. I'm gonna go back. add it to my letterbox and the NBA watch players. list. Like Bill Hader's best friend is LeBron in the movie. Is LeBron? Oh James. my god, like, I love that. Like actual LeBron. <laughs> like yeah, it's actually yeah, it's like Space Jam where like it's actually LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck up about Space Jam, Jordan. No. Uh, Yandu spots his old comrades. Stakar is that how he? Stakar. Stakar. Yeah, Stuckar. that's the one that's Sylvester Stallone, right? Stallone. Yeah. Stallone. Yeah, Stallone. 
Stalone. Uh, who has exiled Yondu from the Ravender Ravenger team for child trafficking. <laughs> Ooh, like a certain congressman who shall remain nameless. Please sit down. Please sit. Gat mates. Uh, good yawn. Among the Ravagers is Taserface, who thinks the Ravagers need a new leader, along with Kraglin, who has since come to question Yondu's leadership. After Yondu finishes talking to Stakar, the Sovereigns arrive, and Aisha approaches Yondu with a proposition. Peter is still in shock from finally being able to meet his father. Why are you just a monster of destruction, Cleo? Um, sorry. Just pause for one sec. Sorry. A uh, speak. No, no, no. Don't actually pause. I just. I'm timing out. We still recording. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of the red light district, Yondu being in like this alien prostitute place and like putting on his jeans while while having like this uh like flushed look on his face mm-hmm. is the I've makes me feel weird. There, I don't know yeah. why. Wait till you get to a fun fact I have there, about it. There's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> Like, I just don't. If aliens are different, they, they they're gonna have different parts. So, like, what aliens can go with what Which, aliens? Okay, then also all of right? the like the the prostitutes. Yeah, are they robots? And then I'm like, oh, that's your biggest fear. Okay, yes, but also I'm just like they're they seem to have like like consciousness. So are they like I don't know. I like are they similar to they're like nebula i was gonna say they're like incredibly no they're androids what are androids what do we know about they're They're androids androids. okay okay Um, i don't know there's a lot to unpack there they're just they're androids no just Um, the 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 red light district-esque area ah Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, hey, aliens get horny too, I guess. Yes, but okay, never mind. We're done. Pardon? Like, if you guys take one thing away from this episode, oh my aliens God. get horny too. That will be on the final. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> Jordan. <laughs> oh. Um, but I mean, we have we have sex robots in real life. I know. Yeah, but they're not yeah, as good. They're not like they are not. They're not as. They don't have a conscience. I can't say that word. No, but they speak, and that makes it worse. Consciousness. consciousness. But they speak, but and yeah, that somehow makes it. They're worse. not realistic enough. Yeah. Um, Nebula is a uh, Lufoimid. No, oh, my Lufoimid? my point was that like she, I know they like replace her parts. Yes, She's okay, I didn't more, know how much we knew about her. Nebula is more of a cyborg than an yes. android. The prostitutes are okay. androids. Nebula is yes. a cyborg. Basically. Well, yeah, because I she I knew she was obviously some sort of being that they removed parts from because they, they I mean, they yeah. talk about it later in this movie. But I was confused if she yeah. was similar to um, the prostitutes or not. <laughs> no. Um, anyways, uh, Peter's still in shock to, to be meeting his, finally be meeting his father. Ego explains that he sent Yondu to pick up, pick up Peter, uh, after his mother died. Peter still doesn't understand why Ego left Meredith in the first place. He invites Peter and his friends to his planet, which Peter is hesitant about until Gamora convinces him to join his father. 
Peter, Gamora, and Drax go with Ego and Mantis, while Rocket and Groot stay behind to fix the Milano and keep an eye on Nebula. On Ego's ship, the three talk to Mantis, who shows off her powers by seeing into other people's minds. She lets everyone know that Peter has sexual feelings for Gamora, which Drax finds hilarious. Do you know who else finds this scene hilarious? You. My father. <laughs> oh, I find this scene hilarious my, it as is, well. My yeah. father saw it in the trailer and went, this is fucking hilarious. Because it is a mixture of the way Mantis says it, like her such, like what do you call it, formal language about it? Yeah, and that she has a very soft... The fact that that's just incredibly embarrassing. Yeah. And then Drax literally pointing and laughing as hard as he could and having to explain to himself, it's funny because she embarrassed you. Like, it all works. Uh, yeah. My dad thinks it's hilarious. He quotes whatever Drax says, my father that's quotes. That's cute. Um, and I'm like, my man, you've never seen the movie. I, I was going to say, <laughs> so speak, speaking of parents, I found out the other day that my mom knows one part from this movie because she saw a clip on TV one time. Not the, not this one, the first one, um, where um, Star-Lord uses the, the like stick up your butt clip and they're like, who has a stick up where? Because <laughs> they don't they don't understand it. I don't know. They, they and my mom it. knew that part. <laughs> I love and that. She was like, "That's funny." I was like, "Yes, it is funny." <laughs> um, the Ravengers come across the woods where the Guardians crash landed. Most of them end up walking into traps laid out by Rocket until Yondu shows up with his Yaka arrow, controlled by his whistling. Dopest fucking weapon. Still, Dope is so still. cool. Still the best weapon. And like, listen, I'm a big axe person. I love when people fight with like axes and shit, but I love the fucking arrow. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Like, never forget the day that Taylor was like, I feel like if Liren was in like a fantasy, like story, her weapon would be like a bad axe. I was like, thank you. Yeah. I think. Well, okay. Wh- why do you think I got you the, the Rosa uh, poster that says, what what kind of woman doesn't have an axe? <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I'm glad that that's the energy I give. Uh, the Ravengers get Rocket and Groot, but when Taserface plans to get Peter, Yondu isn't quite willing to turn him over. Nebula then breaks the crest on Yondu's head to knock him out. She aligns herself with the Ravengers as they take Rocket, Groot, and Yondu prisoner. Ego brings everyone to the planet that literally lives through him, as Ego is a celestial, and his consciousness is the core of the planet. This is a better, I think, way to explain it than in the comics, where he is Ego, the living, talking planet. Yeah. Where he's like a planet, but also a being. Yeah. This explanation yeah. makes a lot more sense. Um, And we'll talk about that later on when we start talking about, like, story elements and, like, trivia. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. Um, he explains that to the three that he came up with a human form to travel the galaxy, and he came to Earth and fell in love with Meredith, but could not see her so often because it would take up a lot of his energy. Peter continues to hold hostile feelings uh, for Eagle leaving Meredith alone to die. As Peter grows more emotional, his hands produce a powerful energy that is linked to Ego's own power. Ego shows him how to control and use it. I forgot that scene happens. Yeah. Because yeah. we never see that happen ever again. <laughs> well, because of the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah. But I forget that it happened because it's never referenced and never talked about, like, ever after yeah. that. Granted, the next time we see them is, like, 
Endgame or Infinity War. Infinity War, yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we see them a ton, but oh, the next time we see them is my favorite Guardian scene. The stuff in Infinity War is my fave. Yeah, their opening, their yeah. introduction to that movie, yeah. Um, on the Ravenger ship, Taver's, Taserface and his goons start ejecting those who are still loyal to Yondu, except for Kraglin, who only watches in disbelief while his friends are killed. This is my worst fucking nightmare. I fucking hate this shit. This yeah. scene's dark. It's like this, dark. This and what's so crazy is, like, the fact that this movie is so much darker than the first one is the reason I like this movie and don't like the first one. But this scene fucks me up. Good stretch. It's like this scene, I feel like, goes to a different level of dark where it's like the stuff with Peter and his dad at the end of the day, I think, is still like very a comic booky good good guy, bad guy thing. They're mm-hmm. just fleshing it out more. Whereas this is just like, it feels like know. torture. They're like, just murdering seeing... them. Like, and they're laughing. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, if they just showed us them beheading these guys, I don't feel like I would have taken that as harshly as just seeing this because it's like it's not quick no they hit them and drag them into this thing and then laugh and wave at them before ejecting them and then they slowly die they slowly suffocate and are crystallized jordan i have an argument here though for you because i think it's scarier that they just want to destroy the entire universe and that he just wants it to be him and peter and no one else yeah but (laughs) But that's so grandiose that it feels like a typical, like, I'm going to take over the whole universe. I think part of it, too, is, like, when this movie came out, we all knew what was coming with Thanos. (laughs) Okay, true. That a lot of us were like, this is nothing to what's down the pipeline. I guess. I I don't know. It was just... Because what? Infinity Infinity War was the next year, wasn't it? Infinity War was 2018. Yeah. 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 This came out our junior year. I remember seeing it um, the day it came out, possibly a midnight release with my roommates. I didn't see it midnight release. I watched it. Yeah, because it came out fall of our senior year because I watched it on a plane home from London. Oh, wow. You watched it late. Yeah. I didn't care. I saw the first movie and didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, why the fuck do I care about the second movie? Um, I was basically like, I'll watch it eventually before Infinity War because I know it's obviously going to matter. But realistically, I could have not watched this movie and watched Infinity War and been perfectly fine. Um, not saying do that, but I could have. Anyways, um, yeah, it just fucked up. When Taserface boasts of his grateful, greatness and fearful name, Rocket only mocks him. Nebula enters and suggests that the Ravengers turn their captives turn their captives to the Kree for the bounties on their heads. She also makes other demands, including a new hand. Kraglin brings her to a ship that she uses to get off the Ravenger ship and go find Gamora. Mantis and Drax form a bond, though Drax continues to remind Mantis that he finds her hideous, but that that is a good thing because he thinks he's hideous as well and still managed to find someone else who loved him for who he is. This is also why I don't like Drax, is he is so mean to her for no fucking reason. This, this, this particular part is, like, weirdly sweet. It's like Drax's own fucked up language. No. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's part of it where I'm like, this feels like, I don't know. It feels a little too far, like, for him. The other thing, like, I'll be real, that freaks me out is having a scene where 
a character being played by a white man is telling a character being played by a Vietnamese actress that she's hideous. Yeah. Like with Hollywood's history. I mean, he's gray. I don't, it has nothing to do with the characters. It has to do with who's playing them and who wrote this. With his, Hollywood's history of like how they treat Asian American actors, I'm like. I also. It makes me uncomfortable. The, yeah, okay. Well, I was going to say there's part of Mantis that made me feel like. Like, I was like, they did they, like, specifically pick an Asian actress? It feels very, like... <laughs> yes, because the character is... So, in the comics, Mantis is a human who gets her powers from the Kree in a similar way to Captain Marvel. And in the comics, she is Vietnamese and German. Okay. And so they cast a Vietnamese and Russian actress. Okay, okay. Then that makes me feel a little bit better. Yeah. Because yeah. part of... It's because the character Part the of it felt like... Like, because she she's kind of, like, dumb, and then, like, she has this broken English, it felt very, like, stereotype, and I didn't know how I felt about it. <laughs> yeah, that, her, it, Mantis falls into some weird stereotype, and I think that's why this makes, this scene makes me feel gross, is because you already have, and good for you that you guys went with the casting of the character in the comics, it's better that you did that rather than whitewash the character. But it feels weird having, you already have a character being played by an Asian American actress who's a little bit dumb and talking in this weird broken English and she's a servant and she's quiet and small, which all falls into the fetishization of the Orient, which is what it is actually called. To be clear, I don't use the word Orient. That is what it is. The phenomenon is actually called, to my knowledge. Um, in that that's what Asian women are supposed to be. And then having a character, like a male character, tell her that she's hideous, it just like rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> Especially because- I feel like you have to look at it as the characters though. Because it's not like it's written where it's that like scene an doesn't allegory need to for be anything. There, though. Like that's the thing is that scene doesn't need yeah. to be there. I always kind of re like related to like Mark Chang from The Fairly Odd Parents, how like they're the opposites. Like they think chocolate and like love is gross, but ugly is good. Like that's how I always took Drax. <laughs> yeah, but it's a scene that didn't need to be there. Sure it needs to be like the fairly you get odd. What I'm parents saying though, right? The fairly odd parents. It's not yeah. comparable, <laughs> especially because at the end of the day, this scene does nothing. It they could have been talking about anything and then mantis go i have something to tell you and get interrupted yeah it didn't need to be you're yeah. hideous yeah like it did not need to be that um so it just feels kind of gross and like if hollywood didn't have the history with asian american women that it does i would be more forgiving about it and, but and, they do and so correct i don't me if i'm wrong this was written by a white man yeah that's the other thing too is like Think about how you're presenting characters, especially a character that's already going to be fetishized, and Mantis is incredibly fetishized. You missed, like it, for the listeners, you can't you can't see me and Leanne making vague gestures for the past thirty vague seconds. hand gestures. <laughs> um. Anyways, um. So Mantis tells, uh, says that she needs to tell Drax something important, but Gamora interrupts things and Mantis keeps quiet, instead just taking the two to their rooms. The Ravengers throw a rocket and Yandu, Yandu in a cell while they take Groot for their own entertainment. Um, Yandu mentions that he was a Kree battle slave before Stakar pulled him out and made her, him a Ravenger. Okay, yes. then that, 
that was brought up, and then it had me questioning again if Yondu is Kree then. He's no. not. <laughs> so Yondu is, yeah, Yondu's not Kree. Yondu is, um... We looked it up last time. Yeah. I know It's that did. the Kree... <laughs> the Kree are a war yes, people. Yes, I know. So when they kidnap people, they just make them I their just, slaves. Wh- not yeah, everyone who is blue they, is Kree. It's too confusing. <laughs> Don't make them blue. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, he was a Kree battle slave before Stakar. Because I don't remember who the Kree are specifically based off of, but that was like a thing in like medieval times, etc., where you took your prisoners, and especially in Roman times, you took your prisoners and you made them fight your wars. Yeah. Like that's who your army was made up of. Um, it was a really fucked up way to manipulate the enemy because they would kill their friends and then realize that they killed people that used to be in their army. It's super fucked up. Uh, when Rocket asks about why Yondu kept Peter around, he insists because Peter was small enough to fit in spaces where the others couldn't. The two then resolve to work together to break out of the Ravager's cell. They get Groot to come by and Yondu gets him, uh... Tells him to get a prototype fin for his head. Me too. I know. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, after Groot brings a bunch of incorrect items. Including a thumb? Or, no, isn't it a toe? It's a toe, I think. It was yeah, a toe. It's yeah, a toe. Okay. Which, okay. I knew it was a body part. <laughs> which, like, a, th- a thumb? I don't know. A toe, I feel like, feels kind of gross. <laughs> Because toe, because well, like a toe too, yeah. like he would have to have taken somebody's shoe off, or somebody's I mean, walking around barefoot. Seen... That's gross. Yeah, have you seen True. how the Ravengers live? They're not all wearing shoes. Either way, it's gross. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like in Moody's Point when the toe comes up on the balloon. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. How many Nickelodeon references am I going to make this? <laughs> too episode? many. Uh they get Groot to come by, da da da. Um, Yondu gets his fin and gets himself and Rocket out. Yondu sends the arrow, arrow through every mutinous Ravenger they come across, which this Rocket is and Groot. such a good fucking scene. I'm sorry, but like with the music that goes along it's, with it, yeah, I love it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh. Please sit down. <laughs> Cleo would like Ma'am? to make the microphone her couch. Like, she just, she's sitting next to my keyboard, but, like, she doesn't have a ton of room when I'm set up actually recording, and then she gets annoyed and is like, bitch, move. Did you, I'm working. Sit is it down. too early? Did you feed her? It's, it's too, too early. early. It's not okay. her dinner time. She's got another hour until okay, her dinner time. Okay, just making sure, because l- mm, there, there's dinner. been times where you're like, oh my god, Cleo's been annoying me for the past however many hours because I didn't feed her. <laughs> Yeah, no, I fed her. I feed my cat. <laughs> um, just sometimes not as quick as Cleo would prefer. Um, yeah. Uh, which Rocky and Groot get in on some rad- Ravenger butt-kicking themselves. Uh, the three aboard an escape ship with Kraglin, but not before Yondu sets the Wait, whole ship to blow I love, up. I love the part when, when Groot is chasing one of the Ravengers. <laughs> Screaming. <laughs> No, why he's so scared of him it's so funny i know <laughs> um 
Taserface gets hit uh, gets hit with flames, but he manages to notify Aisha to Yandu's whereabouts before he goes down with the ship. The fo- other four must go through 700 jumps to get to Ego's planet. In a scene that's It's kind of weird. I It goes on. Yeah, it long. does. <laughs> See, because it was going on too long, I wanted there to be like a really good payoff where like for it, because you know how their faces and stuff Morph. kept getting manipulated. I really wanted there to be a second where it was just Bradley Cooper and Michael Roker without any makeup or whatever. And for like oh, a that couple of frames funny. and then right back to them. And I feel like that would have paid well, off. Even like that they land and their faces are kind of like stuck like that for a little bit. Like, yeah. I don't, there, yeah, there should have been some sort just of payoff, anything. but it's just them going like that for way too long and then it ends. <laughs> there's quick, there's certain parts in this movie where they realize how good Guardians did with families. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, we, we can't make, we don't want to make it less vulgar, which like, I feel like the two movies are the same know. level of they vulgar at moments. a lot of sex in this one. I know, but yet somehow these movies perform there, great with families. Because of- parents are terrible and let their kids do all sorts of shit. Because if it means they they don't have to deal with their kids for two hours, they're okay with it. As somebody who works with children, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. And they've like marketed Baby Groot so much. Mm. But yeah, there's a few scenes where you're just like, okay, this one's for like kids to laugh at. I get it. Yeah, but it goes on Yeah, forever. it's still, like, too long. <laughs> yeah. Look at my child. This is... She wants to go in my shirt, but I can't put her in my this shirt. This is our our baby Groot, is Cleo. Is <laughs> Cleo. Oh, my God. Um, uh, da, 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 da. Back on Ego's planet, Peter tries to woo Gamora with his dance moves, but it doesn't quite work as she cannot bring herself to express her own attraction. There's a Cheers reference here, and it made me so happy. <laughs> Which one? He says they are saying Yeah, dance. and like, okay, okay. they kind of are. <laughs> Which makes mm-hmm. it even better. I've okay. never seen Cheers. Are you going? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Sam is Ted Danson. Diane is Shelley Long, and their whole... Okay, if you're a big sitcom nerd, I do recommend watching Cheers at some point. You can see a lot of where, like, certain tropes came from, from that show. Um, And they, like, started the whole, like, on-again, off-again bickering, like, couples... They were Ross and Rachel. Yeah. Ross well, and Rachel. They were the ground, the groundwork it, for Ross yes, and Rachel. Yes, exactly. And, like... Barney and Robin and all that yeah. crap. And so that's why I'm like, oh, no, yeah, they kind of are. They kind of are Sam and Diane. And then but and then Gamora's like, I don't know what Cheers is. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Just, I don't know. It's good. It made me. I also like. It made but... me emotional just because I love Cheers. <laughs> I also like this scene because it's a moment where I'm like. I get it, Gamora. I, too, am terrible at telling people how I feel about them. <laughs> I also like the implication that, like, at eight years old, Peter Quill was watching and, like, understanding Cheers. I've been watching Cheers since I was, like, six. Really? I've been wa- I've known who Sam and Diane are, Ted Dance, and all the Cheers references since I was very young. Wow. Because they were on TV Land and Nick at Night in syndication, and my parents liked them a lot. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to um, say, is it's it's pretty it's fair to say that that peter was watching them with his mom 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, the list of sitcoms I love today because not that Cheers is like no offense, Victoria. Not that Cheers is one of my favorites compared to some other ones. Um, it's all because I used to watch them with my parents. Um, except for the nanny. The nanny I discovered. I on my love own. it. It's on HBO yeah. Max now. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> so it was. It's been on the Roku channel for like six months, but only the first two seasons or the last two seasons seasons it's never the all whole at once. thing. The whole thing. And now it's all on HBO Max and I'm I'm gonna watch amped. the whole thing. I'm so excited. Um, I think I think I'm Yeah, I discovered the nanny by accident. Uh and was like, I'm in. This is this is this is it's everything so I need. Um also, I find this scene very funny because Gamora's like, I don't dance. Or, like, earlier on, it was like, I don't dance. And it's very funny to me because fucking Zoe Saldana is a dancer. He's, like, a classically yeah. trained dancer. Also, it, and it's just a little to me that I'm It like, just feels like calling back to the whole Footloose thing. <laughs> yeah. That never Again, ends. Remember the Footloose thing. Yeah. Uh, after she leaves, uh, Gamora then sees Nebula coming down on her ship, shooting at Gamora. As Nebula crash lands, she jumps out and begins fighting with Gamora. Nebula manages to overpower her, but reveals that she never wanted to prove that she was better than her. She just wanted to have a real sister. Gamora's success as a warrior led to their father Thanos manipulating Nebula, leading to her resentment of Gamora. The two then form a sort of alliance as they come across a cavern filmed with about a hundred skeletons. I love the development of Nomura, Nomura. of Gamora and Nebula's relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then becoming sister, like actual sisters. Yeah. Like- well, I really, I really appreciated that that reveal of like Nebula being like, I, I just wanted a sister. That that's at the end, I think. Yeah. But. And as you see more as time goes on, you start to see that like, Thanos was not a good dad. Shocking to <laughs> no one, but Thanos was not a good dad, and so having somebody that shares that trauma or like knows what you're going through but then he's pitting you against each other like that just yeah. is shitty this was the it's, moment it's that i was weir- like i love i like nebula <laughs> it's a weirdly or darkly realistic thing that happens but like it's obviously dramatized because it's thanos and not you know just like a regular abusive dad but like where somebody like clearly has the favorite and purposely makes the other one feel worse so they hate each other even though the father or the parents actually abusing both yeah um, I'd also argue that there was more than a hundred skeletons in that cave. Oh God, yeah, it was it was gross. Yep. Uh, Peter and Ego continue to bond. Ego tells Peter that as long as there is light in the planet, Peter will retain his powers as well as immortality. Mantis sees that Ego has Peter wrapped around his finger now that he knows about his own powers. She rushes to wake up Drax and warn him that Ego uh, of Ego's true intentions now that they are clear uh rocket groot yondu and craglin uh make it to their destination rocket starts to gloat that he wants to save peter just to prove he's better than him and can hang it over his head but yondu shuts rocket up by stating how scared rocket really is and how he puts on a tough guy thing as a facade i love this scene just because like i've been there when you're like no i got this i'm tough i'm not doing this because i care and someone's like you're in severe emotional pain and and crave interpersonal relationships that you were deprived of and it's like fuck you (laughs) i i I really love the like the the 
pissing contest between Rocket and Quill and this and like what that does to each of their characters, especially with what Peter goes through in this movie. And on top of that, I feel like Yondu being the one to point that out to Rocket also really helps Yondu's character. So I really like the scene as a whole. Yeah. Um, they set off to take on Ego. Ego explains to Peter that he wants to make what he calls the expansion. He went around the galaxy to thousands of other worlds to plant the seedlings to grow his power over the galaxy and covers the planets and extensions of himself. Whenever I think about this scene, all I can think of is that scene from Big Mouth with that big blue thing fucking the earth. Basically, like he's going and he's planting the plant and then he's actually reproducing with at least someone on the planet. Times like... A bajillion. Victoria, why do you look? I'm trying to think of what part of Big Mouth that's in. It's one of the first episodes in the, not the most recent season, the season before. Okay, because I was gonna say I still haven't seen the recent season. I gotta watch that one. Yeah, wish like get on (laughs) it, my man. I'm a little slow. (laughs) I'm like, it's so good. I'm, I'm like not in like a good like brain to watch TV recently. Oh, it's so good. I watched it in like one night. Okay. Maybe, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Phenomenal. It's. I think it's arguably. This has now become Big Mouth School for Dummies. I think it's the best season so far. I'm just. I'm excited for um. What's her name? I O A O. Who's voicing Missy now? I love her. She's so funny. Mm-hmm. She comes in, in the last two episodes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Um, and cover the uh, cover the planets in an extension of himself. He impregnated women from those worlds and produced many children that Yondu delivered to him. But when they did not possess the same amount of power of a celestial, Ego had them killed, and now their bone- bones are what Gamora and Nebula found. I don't know why this makes me so uncomfortable, but it makes me so- yes, I do. It's like very dubious. He's killing con. kids. Well, he's an alien. That doesn't bother me. It feels like he's a shitty alien, but like the, his relationships with the women, him killing kids is bad to be clear. I'm not saying that (laughs) killing kids is okay, but of the things in his story that you're given the him killing kids, I don't know if it was because of the last movie or what, but like that didn't surprise me. I was like, yeah, like, you know, but the, it just feels so like gross and like so like rapey yeah. and like no, yeah yeah it like it just all like it feels because I know what it is. There are actual human men on Earth who like their goal is to have like forty some odd children with like different women, or, and like I'm, it freaks not me even out. that. Just like how many sexual partners they can have. <laughs> yeah, like how far and why they can like and like there are people that have have become sperm donors and then stalk all the kids that are born from their donations because like it like turns them on like it makes them feel like a man and it really freaks me out (laughs) yeah i learned about that in college I learned about that in cultural anthropology and went "Ooh, i hate this to be fair i'm not saying you shouldn't whore around you're allowed to whore around but i'm just saying don't like be like my ultimate goal is to sleep with a thousand people <laughs> or something something yeah, ridiculous sleeping. yeah aim higher y- yeah probably higher sleeping than around 
Sleepy around is fine if everyone in the party is consensual, is consenting and it's healthy, but like if it's how you feel like a man or or feel like a woman or feel if sex is the only thing that affirms your sexuality and and gender to you, you might want to seek uh therapy to see why. To see why you seek out sex uh, to reaffirm. And here we are, back to the Cheers podcast. That's been your PSA. Oh. <laughs> I was going to say, we're talking about... <laughs> In Cheers, Sam has a sex addiction. That's fun. Yeah. Got it. Literally, Barney and Robin are a carbon copy of Sam and Diane. Oh, Sam and Diane. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sam is a little less rapey than Barney is. Sam doesn't lie to the girls as much in my memory. Yeah, no, Sam, Sam, well, cause, okay, Sam has that, he's a baseball player and he can like get away with that. Like he can yeah. be like, oh, Barney I'm, lies. I'm a baseball player. And everybody's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, like half of Barney's character was him coming up with the schemes to, yeah. like, to get somebody like into bed. One of which being lying to a lesbian woman and saying that his dick is just a really good strap. Oh, on. yes. I remember hearing about that. That show was incredibly problematic. Uh, it's very unfortunate because that show wouldn't be as problematic if it wasn't for some stuff that Ted does and Barney. Like, if it was just Marshall and Lily and Robin living their dreams, it'd be perfectly fine. But, like, yeah. the character Barney is incredibly problematic. Maybe this is why I don't love Neil Patrick Harris anymore as a person. I think hmm. he's a fine person, but he played a very shitty and it, I think it bothers me that he never thought, like, nobody realized how problematic what they were doing was. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like. Welcome to the How yeah. I Met Your Mother um, podcast. And then at the <laughs> And then at the end, it's just supposed to be okay, because now he's found a woman he's actually in love with and wants to be, commit to, whatever. That show is a mess. Anyways. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, da 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 Peter just so happens to hold the power that Ego was looking for. Ego also reveals that he put the tumor that killed Meredith in her head so he would not feel the pain of being apart from her. Which, like... Whoa. Also, yeah, very weird. There's a lot. Like, that part's always... Conf like, is he in really in love with all of these women <laughs> he, that he fucked? Or, like, his no, weird... He said that Meredith was the only one he actually began to feel feelings for. And because of that, he didn't want to deviate from his plan. He forced himself. It's a very, like, Our obviously, it's like, if you truly loved her, you wouldn't have killed her. So, like, everything with Ego and, like, all the other creepy stuff we just talked about kind of has to fall back on, like, he is this really weird god that is doing these fucked up things. And I feel like when you word it like that in a story, you can visualize the dis the the distance as to why it not that it's not creepy but like it's less weird to you when you in an entire movie the face is a is a human person it's just Kurt Russell yeah it comes off way worse because you forget that he's really just the brain yeah um it's also like one of those weird things that you hear like Greek myths and like all the shit that like Zeus did in Greek myths and you're like eh like that was Zeus like mythology is fucking weird and then you think about it and you're like no this is really fucking weird my man yeah. <laughs> like you sit yeah. and think about it and you're like ew yeah. um Peter snaps out of it and begins to unload his guns on Ego and Fury uh in I love that part me too I love there there is something to be said about characters unloading guns out of frustration 
um there's a really great scene in the mummy where brendan Fraser just like isn't he knows shooting the thing isn't gonna do anything but like he's just so frustrated that he needs that emotional release um in response however it sets the stage for something that happens later on that is why i don't like peter anyways um mm -hmm. in response ego takes peter and controls him to start spreading seedlings across the planet causing mass destruction to finish it off ego crushes peter's walkman and awesome mix volume two that his mother left him rip just mean uh that's just mean at that point (laughs) everything he does is just true Um, Rocket, Groot, and Yondu meet up with Gamora, Drax, Nebula, and Mantis as they gear up to stop Ego. Unfortunately, they are also met by a fleet of Sovereigns out to kill them as well, because Rocket stole some fucking batteries two hours ago. Uh, Pedo fight- Pedo. It does get to a point where it's just like, guys, it was a fucking battery. Like, Rocket's a dick, but like, are you really gonna waste that energy? I was confused by too. I was like, are they really gonna waste this much time and energy? Just go to the Home Depot, be like, yo, let me get some double A's. It's because the Sovereigns have this weird, very strict moral code. And no one's actually dying in this chase because everything's drones. Yeah. Which is cool scene. Oh, yeah. Like, nothing else yeah. was standing. Really cool like, scene. Like a, where they're, they're, and then they go back and it's like a video game. I was going to say, yeah. like a video game or like a casino and everybody's just like chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, uh, fight back against the Sar- Ooh, wait. Um, Peter fights Ego's human form, but his entire planet itself fights back. Mantis is able to put Ego to sleep while the Guardians take care of the others. They fight back against the Sovereigns and eventually destroy their whole fleet with a bunch of lasers. Meanwhile, Rocket builds a bomb using the batteries he stole, which Groot takes and runs off with, <laughs> despite Rocket warning him not to push the wrong button or else they'll all Good. die. Which Great like scene. okay yeah and then like you're like everything is is holding out on Groot making sure he doesn't push the right the the wrong button. It is as if saving a bunch of people depended on my niece Annie. <laughs> remembering remembering what she's, she's supposed to do and not Lear- getting distracted. Lear-in's niece is not even three years old yet. Just so everybody's aware, she is. And she is a wild child. <laughs> today, uh, I FaceTime them today because today's Easter for uh, Roman Catholics. And as I'm FaceTiming them, all of a sudden I hear my sister go, Dad, what are you letting her do to you? And my sister turns the tablet that we were FaceTime- that they were using to FaceTime me around. My dad is sitting on the ottoman in the living room as Ellie and Annie are peeling frozen stickers off of a piece of paper and sticking them all over his face and neck. And he's just letting them do it. <laughs> like, they're going, he has a boo-boo and sticking stickers all over him. And my mom was like, Andy, just say no. Like, just tell them to stop. And he was like, I don't want to. He was like, I hate this, but they're having a good time. (laughs) My man. (laughs) They put one on his hair and my grandmother goes, he doesn't have a lot of hair left. Don't put them in his hair. Your grandma or your mom? My grandmother. His mother. That's good. My dad doesn't care. It's just a fact that he he has like no hair. He's just vibing. And I respect that. Truly. (laughs) Um, Once again, I want to go hang out with your dad. Always. I always want to go hang out with my dad. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Mantis gets knocked out by a fireball, breaking her hold on Ego and reawakening him. As the others try to get safe, I'm realizing how similar this is to another scene in the MCU, and all of a sudden I'm irritated. <laughs> this is really similar to that scene. What's the, wait, repeat what you just said. I'm trying to figure out the scene. Mantis gets knocked out by a fireball, breaking her hold on Ego and reawakening him. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is almost, exa- with some different elements, the same scene. Yeah, because it does, that both of them rely heavily on her powers. Good God. Um, As the others try to get- Cinematic parallels. <laughs> yeah, but not, it sh- Lazy shouldn't writing. be in the same, the same series of movies. <laughs> um... Victor, was that your father or was that? Oh, my dad sneezed. It's not me. (laughs) Yeah. Did you really hear that? Oh my god. Very clearly. Good. Uh, As the others try to get to safety, Ego begins to consume them. Peter continues fighting his father using his celestial powers. Now freed, Groot uh, then finds Ego's brain in the planet's core. And he sets the bomb to go off in five minutes. Uh, Drax carries Mantis to the ship while Gamora and Nebula make it back. Rocket gives his last spacesuit to Yondu, knowing he cannot save both him and Peter. What? This scene makes me sad. Yandu's death they oh I was gonna say it makes me sad too Yandu's death is one of the the times in Marvel where they build up a character in such a good way that their death actually means something and you actually yeah it is and it's it's the other reason why I feel like it hits so hard is because it is not a character you would have expected that if he died you would have been like oh man I'm Mary Poppins (laughs) y'all It's that's the Hello. thing. It's just like, and then the fact that Peter like doesn't want to break his heart, be like, oh, it's a girl. He just goes, yeah. He like he lets him have that moment, and because the whole movie's about Peter's dad, but Peter discovers who his father figure really was. Like, <laughs> which okay, we completely brushed over this, but the fact that he ta- he says David Hasselhoff was who he told people that his dad was, and then they got David was. Hasselhoff in there for a second. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, he also so they got him in for that one little like cameo, but they also made him record like a nine minute intergalactic workout video as like oh marketing for this movie. Yeah, yeah. It also going back to how I met your mother for a second it reminds me of how uh, Barney used to say his dad was um, Bob, Bob Parker from the Boston, Ro- oh yeah, from the Price God. Is Right. Yeah. Same energy. Uh, yeah. Gamora tries to go back, but Rocket stops her so he doesn't lose another friend. Ego pleads with Peter to stop the bomb or else Peter will just become a normal human. Peter sees nothing wrong with that and lets the bomb go off. Ego's human form disintegrates as the rest of the planet starts to explode. Yondu flies by and grabs Peter. As they leave the planet's atmosphere, Yondu puts uh, the suit on Peter to save him. He tells Peter that while Ego was his father, he was never his daddy. I really wish they just said dad. If they had just, yes, because saying daddy made it sound sexual. I think thing. it's supposed to be funny though that like Yandu's like, but I'm your daddy. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah. like, because that's a true sentiment. Is that like 
for people who weren't necessarily raised by a parent, you may have your your mother or your father, but they're not necessarily your mom or your dad. We're saying daddy makes it sound like, ooh. And this is definitely <laughs> a, like, I guess, a, I'm a, for lack of a better word, generational thing of, like, yes. young adults who have, all, who have all just admitted to having daddy kinks. It's not that we've all admitted like, to having daddy kinks. It's that because I'm willing to bet that not all three people on this podcast have a daddy kink. But um, it's just like we're all so aware of the daddy we're thing. We're so aware and of, so yeah, we very much normalized. Thank you, yeah. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I guess we know which no, one does. No, oh my god, I was quoting. I was quoting from Middle Edition shorts. <laughs> no, I don't know. Like in the beginning, they're like, "I wonder if anyone's ever said it like that." Right. <laughs> but yeah, and so they do I it honestly like five minutes in middle edition swords going back and forth. Yeah, and, and then daddy. there's like just there's one girl in the audience that screams saying that she does say thank you, daddy, like that yeah. to her actual ben, father. Ben Schwartz goes, who who says thank you, daddy? Like, does anyone actually say thank you, daddy, like that to their own father? And one girl goes, I do. So like, ooh, honey, you are in public. And one of them reminds everyone in the audience that this is being recorded. No, 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 no. That's in the... Does that not happen in both that, No, that only happens in the wedding one. Okay. It's like, don't tell us all your deep, darkest secrets like the rest of our shows, <laughs> please. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel, I, there had to have been, like, some fucking college intern at Marvel that went, hey, James... Just make it dad. Just make it dad. Love your work, Just but make- everyone on the planet is going to go, I feel ew, like, he's fucking I feel like, you. though, they, they knew what they were doing. I think they knew that it, it kind of sounded sexual and that, like, Yondu would think that was funny and, like, would... I, I, no, here's the thing. I... Sorry to interrupt, but it's like... I, I, that's the thing is, I feel like Yondu doesn't realize what he's saying, but I feel like... He, but I feel like Yondu's style of speaking the word daddy fits into his vernacular. It's that Southern thing. Realistically, Yandu pulls on a lot of Southern and, and like, by when I say Southern, I mean, like, the Georgia, like, Mississippi, yeah. Louisiana area of the South where, like, big daddy and, and you call your father, like, and in big families, the patriarch was daddy, even if he wasn't, like, your father. Yeah, if it was, like, your grandpa or, like, yeah. the oldest uncle. Yeah, it's whoever the patriarch of your family was was daddy and, like, his wife was mama and, like, all that kind of stuff. That that's just, like, that weird tradition. They talk about this in Golden Girls because Dorothy at one point goes, Blanche, do you actually call your father Big Daddy? And she was like, we all do. And Dorothy's like, don't. Good. Awesome. I'm moving on. <laughs> Again, it's not, I know they don't even mean it that way. And that word is definitely not always made that way. But like, if you're beyond the age of like seven and you're using that word, it always comes off like, oh God. Yeah. Um, Yandu then starts to freeze up in space and Peter sadly watches him die. And the scene always makes me think of the scene in the original Magic School Bus series where the annoying ass ginger kid removes the space helmet on Pluto and his entire head turns into a block of ice. Okay, so (laughs) it's funny you say that. One of my friends the other day, uh, two friends I have from college shared this to the other one's Facebook wall. And it was like a picture of like the trolley philosophy question, but it was all the kids from the magic school bus. And then Arthur was on the other <laughs> trail 
track. Yeah. And so one of my friends commented and went, I would not hesitate at all killing that little bitch. I forget what he called him. He said like little bitch, probably little ginger bitch like you did. And I replied, I said, rumor has it, if you take it to Pluto, he'll do it himself. (laughs) And then they just, he's still alive. They put him on the bus and he gets cold. Like they have this offline reference, like line at the end of the episode where he's been, was home all week after that with a head cold. I was like, sir, he'd be dead. (laughs) They think they're like, hey, hey, he was only in space for a second. No, he takes his helmet off and it, he is frozen the entire time it takes the rest of the class to put his helmet back on no, and get I, him yeah. on the ship. It's fucking weird, man. Like, it's so fucking weird. It's dark. It, that is so dark. I, that was, that was. They're like, how do we explain to kids that you need spacesuits? Let's That memory kill one. was locked Almost. so far in my brain until you just mentioned it now. I could probably describe that scene to a sketch artist, like, frame for frame. Like, it, I saw it when I was, like, in second grade, and it traumatized me forever. Because, like, I didn't watch a lot of Magic School Bus as a kid, because, like, I just didn't. And, like, the school I went to, we didn't really watch Magic School Bus. We didn't watch Bill Nye Science Guy. It's just, like, not what we did. Um, So the few times we did really stick in my brain, and that fucked me up. So far, this episode has been the one that I've laughed the most in. Like, my mouth hurts from laughing. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, The Guardians prepare to give Yondu a proper Ravenger funeral. Craglin gives Peter a Zoom to make up for his lost Walkman, which Yondu had been meaning to give him Which is so funny. Hilarious. And then he plays the song Father and Son... And it plays during the funeral, and that fucking gets me. Yeah. Um, uh, In return, Peter gives Kraglin Yondu's arrow, feeling that Yondu would have wanted him to take it. Nebula sets off to hunt Thanos down herself, but not before reconciling with Gamora. Mantis decides to stay with the Guardians. As Yondu's body goes out into space, the Guardians see a dozen of other Ravenger ships arriving to pay their respects to Yondu. This movie has five end credits. scenes. Which, why? It did not need that many. Because James Gunn is an asshole. Good. That's literally why. At least the credits are fun. He wanted the first Guardians movie to have five end credit scenes. It, and Marvel said it no. It doesn't even need one. The third one's gonna have ten. Um... The first one, the first one is necessary. It shows Craglin trying to practice with the arrow and he ends up sticking tracks, hilarious. but it just kind of implies that Craglin is probably going to become the leader of this group of Ravengers. Yeah. Um, Sakaar honor, honors Yondu's uh, sacrifice by forming his own team with Martin X, Which... Natanga, Charlie 27, Starhawk, and Mainframe. That, I believe, is the original lineup of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. It is. Yeah. And mainframe and... is played by Miley Cyrus. Yes, she is. Wait, what? Um, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus has one line in this movie. Yeah. I don't even know. She's the one that's like, I miss you guys so much. She's like the little robot. Yeah, her and oh. Je- uh, James Gunn had this whole like interaction on Twitter about it recently. That's so weird. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I gotta watch that scene um, again. <laughs> Aisha and the other Sovereign discuss their new plan to take down the Guardians. We see Aisha sitting by a birthing pod, waiting to break out whatever is inside to use against the Guardians. She decides to call it Adam, implying that it will be Adam Warlock, one of the Guardians' biggest adversaries. Even though he's another hero. 
I mean, Groot is now a teenager. Peter scolds him for leaving his roots lying around, but Groot just mocks him and plays video games. Which, like, is funny, but also not necessary. <laughs> oh, then buckle up, sweetie. You're going to hate the next two movies with the Guardians. No, <laughs> I mean, like, it wasn't necessary to... The scene wasn't necessary. Oh, you don't care about teenage... It's not that teenage yeah, Groot was. I meant, I meant, um, okay. yeah, the credit... Because there was already so many end credit scenes. Then we get into the most controversial one. Uh, the elderly Stan Lee in his obligatory cameo is sitting with the Watchers discussing his previous adventures, all referencing the many cameos he has had in the past, but they become bored and leave him behind. And the main reason that this is so controversial is because, to his own admission, James Gunn fucked up and put in references to Civil War and other movies that hadn't happened yet because they had already come out, but in the timeline hadn't happened yet. Yeah. And he straight up is like, no, I was, that was my bad. That was my like, bad. He should have just changed the yeah. lines. Yeah. And he was like, it's, an, he was like, it's not a big deal because like the whole implication, like we were debating referencing like his cameos in, in the Fox movies. Um, it's just that like, I fucked up and realistically it's only referencing him as a FedEx driver. So it's not the end of the world. Like. I mean, he could have been a FedEx driver also, multiple times. Exactly. Also, and- <laughs> like it goes back to that thing where like, I know technically he is the same person in all of these clips, but like mm-hmm. that's up for debate. I feel like I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Well, because he works for the Watchers. Yeah, so the Watchers are like this group of beings that can they kind of they don't really interact. They They're just like, like to make sure God, everything's going. But they the don't way. have any control over anything. They just watch. They just try to make sure things are going in the right general direction. And I think sometimes they can look at different multiverses or timelines. Yes, because in theory, the Watchers can see like the DC universe. Yeah. And so they're just making sure things are going the way they're supposed to for the most part. Yeah. And so Stanley works for them as like, hey, uh, I'm giving you my notes. They have um, people who work for them that in exchange for going to a certain planet and looking over things that may be important, you get like immortality and a bunch of other stuff. This is way more information Um, than I ever needed. (laughs) It's deep Marvel lore, but it's not important, but it's fun. Yeah. The only place it might become important if they decide to get fucking weird is with what if, because we're actually going to see a watcher. He's going to be the narrator. Yeah. Not Stan Lee, but like a watcher. He has the narrator. I thought, I think it was a watcher with a name. Can you imagine if they somehow like got like enough recordings of Stan Lee and they use there probably is enough recordings out uh, there of him because oh, he's narrated a bunch of the Spider-Man I'm sure shows there is. what if it's gonna it's also they could just make a fake one very easily oh, that too. deep fakes for voices exist there's an AI of um the COVID vaccine talking but it sounds like Ellen I hate that it exists um but yeah, uh, that's the only place that it might, and it also might get referenced in the Eternals, but I don't know, because the Eternals yeah. do sometimes interact with the Watchers, but like, because the Watchers- Multiverse of Madness, probably not. I feel like there's enough going on in that movie that we don't need a Watcher to show up. Realistically, they won't show up, because again, the Watchers don't really step in for very much. Yeah. And, there's... and anything that they would explain, sorry, Doctor Strange would- no to explain that because he's the sort yeah he's a sorcerer yeah. supreme like um so some fun facts 
Dave Bautista's Drax makeup for this movie only took 90 minutes to apply, down from the four hours from the first nice. time. However, at the end of the... Yeah. However, at the end of the day, he would have to sit in a sauna in order to get most of the makeup off. Because the trying to get it off through normal means was way too abrasive on Yeah. Skin. So what did they change that made it that much faster? They probably were just doing bigger pieces. Also, probably... Um, more people possibly yeah um prop master russell bobbitt had difficulty finding the cassette decks used in the first film and all of the sony walkman headphones they were able to find were found broken bobbitt contacted sony to see if they had available for filming they did not and so he built them all from scratch wow yeah also i'm surprised Uh, sony didn't have anything they could provide for them or like I'm not. Sony's a terrible company. But like also just being like, hey, yeah, we'll make them for you. I don't know. It just seems weird because yeah. like I know for a lot of shows where like they take place like in like the eighties or whatever, the like if you like reach out to companies like like say you need like a Coca-Cola can that looks like it's from the eighties, Coca-Cola will make it for you because they want the free advertising. You know? Yeah. On, yeah, Sony as a company does not like to give Marvel an inch. I know, but so. it's just it just seems weird. I don't know. <clears throat> when director James Gunn was writing the script for the movie and proposed the idea of Ego the Living Planet being Star Lord's far- father, Marvel told them they don't didn't own the rights to the character. The rights belonged to 20th Century Fox because of his ties to the Fantastic Four and the Silver Surfer franchises. Since Gunn had no other characters in mind for Star-Lord's father, he asked Fox if they could use the character. Fox agreed only if Marvel would allow them more creative freedom over Negasonic Teenage Warhead set of superpowers in the Deadpool movies. Sure. We love some bartering. (laughs) Yeah. That movie came out the following year, and then a year later, Marvel, Disney went, we're going to buy you too, bitch. Deadpool came out in 2016. Deadpool 2. Oh, yeah. I forget about that movie because it was terrible. Um, James Gunn choreographed and served as the motion capture capture model for Groot's dancing during the opening credit scene. It took the visual effects team nearly two years to complete the CG rendering for the final scene of the film. Wow. Good stretch. In the Guardians of the... Sit down. You are in front of my notes. (laughs) Thank you. Um, in the Guardians of the Galaxy comics, Taserface is a warrior from the cybernetically enhanced race known as the Stark. The Stark are an alien race that found Iron Man technology that had accidentally crashed on their planet, and as a result, they worship Tony Stark and Iron Man as their god. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh my god. Because <laughs> the thing is, it's like... I feel like Tony would like it for five minutes, and then the second the sixth minute hits, he's like, I hate this. I don't like this anymore. <laughs> like, um, According to director James Gunn, Gru always freezes when Drax catches him uh, dancing because he knows Drax would disapprove of it. In a scene from the film, Drax explains that he was attracted to his late wife's be- wife because she steadfastly did not dance. Could you stop moving, please, for like two seconds? <laughs> Thank you. According to Chris Pratt, shooting this movie helped him helped him come to terms with his father's death. 
Although he passed away while Pratt was filming Jurassic World in 2014, the actor didn't really get a chance to deal with the death at the time because he was busy filming and wanted to keep the rest of the cast's spirits up. Dude. Sir, everyone who was in Jurassic World would have understood if you were like, my father passed away, I need like a yeah. to like yeah. be mellow. But I also get like, I mean, people don't move on in a no. few years either so it's like i, I kind of yeah, get how this I would, one i would like, understand being like yeah. no like i need time to process this but also like dude like i don't know there's a lot there the, the the two things of like you could have taken a break from jurassic world and this movie helped you accept it shouldn't be mutually exclusive yeah they can be they can but, be yeah you could have taken a break things. in the moment and then you could have a few years later been like this movie was very cathartic yeah um Anthony Hopkins says that about the Thor movies that like even though it was years later they were very cathartic about his relationship with his dad but it wasn't that he hadn't processed his father's passing <laughs> like the entire cast of that movie would have understood if you were like different for a couple of weeks while you process losing your father figure to quote yeah. Leslie Jones go to go therapy to therapy <laughs> um I will never not Amazon that. Amazon if you guys have watched, anyone listening has watched uh, Zack Snyder's The Justice League, I highly recommend watching Leslie Jones' reaction videos to it because they are fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, for uh, a film that director James Gunn has described as a story about fathers, Pratt was able to open up old wounds that had been healing for some time and acknowledge the fact that there were some wounds that could not ever be completely healed, such as the death of the parent. I have a love-hate relationship with this. Um, I'm trying to take the fact that it was Chris Pratt who said it out of it for a second, because like at the end of the day, losing a father or losing very a parent difficult. is losing a And I know that part of my irritation with this is probably A, that it's Chris Pratt, who I'm not a big fan of, and B, that like my brain immediately goes to there is a type of actor, and I say actor specifically meaning cis men, that... um use trauma from their don't process trauma from their lives with the intent of processing it on stage and that is very toxic to your coworkers and very unfair to your coworkers because things may come up that they shouldn't have to deal with yeah and if it happens organically like if you would process it but then something something happens and you happen. don't like yeah. you're not ready for it that's different and when that happens you should say stop and like stop and like take a beat yeah. However, if you're doing it on purpose, that's super not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's just where I have like a love-hate relationship with it. Um but yeah. Yeah. Uh, we said this last week, but I will repeat it. Uh, as Groot only communicates with the phrase, I am Groot, in different inflections, James Gunn created a Groot version of the script for him and Ben Diesel, which contained Groot's lines in English. Uh, Bradley Cooper recorded his lines for Rocket while wearing a motion capture headpiece in the recording studio to perfectly synchro synchronize Rocket's voice and facial expressions. In the first film, Cooper only supplied the voice. Um, Baby Groot is actually the offspring of Groot, not the same character, as confirmed by James Gunn on Twitter, where he posted, first Groot is dead, Baby Groot is his son. That's why he didn't know to press the That That's why Rocket had to be very clear, don't press this button. Viva la baby Groot. Viva la baby Groot. <laughs> it doesn't work as well as baby Yoda, but... No. Viva la baby Yoda. I will not call that motherfucker Grogu. Shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> sorry. 
Again, I really think that there was an internet Disney. They're like, you got to name Baby Yoda. And he panicked and he went back to his childhood. He remembered Goro from Mortal Kombat and Goku from Dragon Ball Z. I keep calling him Goro. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Goro and then Goku. And there he's like, boom, no one's going to notice this. And fucking Jordan Deeb did. (laughs) (laughs) Stan Lee's cameo has been previous, uh, has him discussing previous adventures that include his cameos in other Marvel films. According to Kevin Feige, this was a nod to the popular theory that Lee is a cosmic entity in Marvel. Stan Lee clearly exists, you know, above and apart from the reality of all of the films. So the notion that he could be sitting there on a cosmic pit stop during the jump gate sequence in Guardians was something very fun. It says, wait a minute, he is the same character that's popped up in all of these films. The main reason that Elizabeth Debicki was cast as Aisha is because of her height. The actress stands at six two and a half inches or feet. In I would way. not have and guessed that. Yeah, and during filming, she wore platform shoes to increase her height to six seven. Wow! Yeah. Still not. She's still no Resident Evil lady. No, who's nine feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Elizabeth Debicki is stunning. Debicki? Debicki. I don't know. I have no idea. Debicki. Um, the bald aliens with Stan Lee are the Watchers, a race of aliens who appear frequently throughout the comics in the 1960s to the 1980s. Uatu is the Watcher assigned to observe Earth 616 in the, the reality in which the regular Marvel comics universe takes place, including. Yeah, that's the one I thought yeah. I think is going to be the. It narrator. is. Um, Jeffrey. Um, Oh my god, he's playing Jim Gordon in the Batman and he's in the Hunger Games movies. What is it? Right. Jeffrey Jeffrey Wright is void voicing Uatu. Uatu. Yeah. I love Jeffrey Wright. He's delightful. I'm so excited to listen to him narrate something. Oh yeah, by the way, anyone listening in Victoria, watch what if, because it has nothing to do with anything. It's literally what if you can watch it whenever you want, and it's gonna be phenomenal. And the animation style is really cool. Like the animation yeah. style they're is, going with is really cool. And there is nothing that they can't do. Well, like, the first season they're following the what if comics. Yeah, but I'm saying like in the future. Yeah, and it's already been been uh, renewed for two more seasons after. This. Wow! So we're getting at least so three ready. seasons because the hype around it is so big. Especially, I'm not, I'm not kidding. When they dropped the um, sizzle reel of all the like, it wasn't really a trailer. It was just a peek at what stories would be in people. That was the biggest news of the day. Even though we got a ton of other Marvel titles that day. That would you talk about Investor Day, right? No, they didn't announce what if at okay. Investor Day. They announced what if. Oh, when they announced ago, it. Okay, I thought meant when they. Comic-Con, yeah. They announced what if. Eternals yeah. got announced the same day what if got announced. Because yeah. I think the first time we saw clips of Marvel Zombies was in Investor Day, right? No. Because before that, they only showed us. No? Marvel Zombies was in the original Sizzle Roll. Okay. Um, the In the original Sizzle Reel was. Um, the just quick shot of T'Challa as Star-Lord when he takes off the helmet. Yeah. The quick shot of uh, Captain Carter when she's jumping on the rocket. The very fast shot of Bucky turning to zombie Cap. Okay, And yeah, something yeah. else. Those were in the original Scissor Reel. We got the full grabbing the shield, spinning around, and whipping it back in the trailer. That's what I'm... Yeah. yeah. Um, can you tell I'm amped for this yes. show? That's <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> Uh, James Gunn revealed that he and producer Kevin Feige wanted David David Bowie to have a cameo in this film before his death in January 2016. Aww. Yeah. 
I just, you know, Labyrinth fucked me up and I've seen more of David Bowie than I ever wanted to see. And I'm just, I'm always concerned about him being movies after I saw his dick, so. <laughs> in Labyrinth, his pants movie? are so tight and he, it is a kid's movie, but it is not a kid's movie. That movie fucked oh, but, me up. Okay, but you, you, okay, you just said pants were tight, so you don't literally see. Yeah, you, you search David Bowie Labyrinth crotch. <laughs> Like, cause he's in tights. He's in dance tights, but he's not wearing a dance belt. Let me see. Let me see. So it's a penis party. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> but also, like, good for you, my man. Yeah. Good for you. I mean, it was the moment that everybody went, "Oh, David Bowie is packing." Packing. It's insane. <sighs> um. Oh jeez, gee, I just went to. <laughs> there's one picture where it's really. <laughs> Are you looking at the picture where he's in that the like his throne and his foot is up like this? No, no. There's just, just like, one picture. Look at my glorious crotch. There's just one picture, and I don't know how to say this, but I didn't know. I don't. I did, never knew that men could get camel toes, and I don't mean moose knuckles. I mean yeah, like there no, is. No, I understand. Yeah. It's crazy, my man. Like it's crazy. Um kudos to that girl in that movie for not being deeply uncomfortable with that because if i was 15 acting across from david bowie and nothing was being left to the imagination i'd be like i'm shooting myself sorry i'm trying to get the slippers on under the desk for anyone interested jordan it, it's just me <laughs> no 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 this is the one i'm like i didn't know men could yeah those I know. It's out and proud. Now I gotta know. Oh. Go look at it. squished. Like, I feel a little bad. It's... Well, because he he definitely has a dance belt on. It's just not a good enough one to cover it up. Yeah. That... yeah. Are you searching it now? No, I just clicked on the picture that Jordan sent. Oh, and I was just yeah. like, okay. Okay. Uh, in... Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna keep going yes, here. Yeah. In... In the comics, uh, Mantis was a human and acquired her skills by living with the Kree. James Gunn chose to make her an alien in the film because he wanted Peter Quill to be the only main character to come from Earth. Karen Gillian's Nebula makeup took 2.5 hours to apply, which was down from 5 hours in the first film. She also only shaved half of her head this time around. Still didn't need any of it Why? shaved. Wait, 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 wait. How does okay? So if, if the point is shaving your head makes the bald cap go on easier, how is only one half gonna help? Because you that she much? has that metallic piece that goes down over her eye like this. That's a bigger applique. So having this be flat when the rest isn't just works out better. You can basically create a divot for that applique to go into. Gotcha. Um, but now she has to walk around with half a shaved head, which I honestly feel like walking around with a fully shaved head just both are bad. But like, I don't know. Um, Good for her. Prop master Russell Bobbitt created a one-to-one -one scale model of the 10-inch tall baby group for filming, mainly to be used as a lighting oh. reference. The model was sometimes puppeteered against cast members during filming. And whenever I learn, I like read this, I wonder if it's like Baby Yoda, where if you've watched the making of The Mandalorian Season 1 documentary on Netflix, or on uh, Disney+, Plus, it'll talk about how, like, the people would carry around Baby Yoda like a child. Like Dave Filoni would walk around set holding Baby the puppet of Baby Yoda like you would hold a toddler. And I'm curious if the Baby Groot thing was the same. Well, to be fair, the Baby Yoda, that's an animatronic. Like, that's not CGI. It's not an animatronic. It's a puppet. But yeah. Okay. Um, 
And like Werner Herzog, there are shots of him like sitting it and he's almost absentmindedly bouncing it like you would bounce a kid trying to keep them amused in your lap. Like people forgot it was a, a doll. Basically, it was essentially a doll. Humans will pack bond with anything. True. <laughs> if anything's cute and has big eyes, we'll bond the, with the, it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, oh my god, there, I, we we brushed over it, but there's the part at the beginning of the movie when they're when they're flying through space and there's so much chaos happening and Baby Groot's just sitting there like eating M and M's and I'm like, this is my mood, like this is me at all yeah. times. And then he throws up. Oh yeah. <laughs> Again, like Baby Yoda. <laughs> Oh, but I was just like, yeah, this is me. Just give me food and I'm just going to sit there and I'm going to eat my food and you guys can all go freak out and I'm just going to sit here with my food. (laughs) I keep telling my sister and and her husband that they should dress up for Halloween this year. Annie as baby Groot and Ellie as baby Yoda and then George and Kalen can decide who's Luke Skywalker and who's (gasps) I would love that. I'm gonna. Can, You'd make it Luke, not um. Neither of them would want to wear Mando's helmet and like that can whole fair. thing. They'd be more open to wearing. Like, can Jedi I? Robes can too. I pay them to do that? I would pay them money. <laughs> <laughs> be like dress up your your children as two I babies. I buy movie. them the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I want what I want to do is like uh when if if and when I have more than one child. Um, not that I have a child now, but you get my point. I want to dress them up like the Velociraptors from Jurassic World, and then me go as Chris Pratt's <laughs> character with my little my little army of, of children. Oh. I'm gonna be such a dick doing Halloween when I have kids, and I can make like full family costumes. I'm already Same. such an asshole about Halloween. Like, um. Anyways. The sensor that Peter Quill looks at when detecting the extra-dimensional creature during the opening of the movie is a modified 1977 Mattel handheld electronic football game. Selling over 1 million units, it was the hottest item for Christmas 1997. The beeping at the beginning is the touchdown sound, whilst the other beeps are the sound of the ball moving down the field. Um, the stink bug that gets eaten in the film was made of chocolate and black honey. Cute. Yeah. Um... The idea... Where's the stink bug? Who eats the stink bug? One of the Ravengers. Okay. Um, the idea of a self-contained mind spontaneously appearing into existence, similar to Ego, the living planet, in this movie, is called the Botsman Brain. The argument suggests that in a universe that ex- exists forever, one is more than likely to be a Botsman Brain hallucinating reality rather than a real being. That's going to make me sleep well at night. Sorry. But that's, yeah, that's the whole idea of it is that, like, in theory, I'm only a botsman brain and I'm not actually perceiving, I'm not actually, I don't actually, I exist, but not in the way I perceive myself to exist and everything else around me is an illusion that my brain has created. Yeah. In, like, a worse version of the Truman Show. (laughs) Uh, Here's my shirtless Yondu fun fact. Chris Pratt said that the Michael Rooker uh, that Michael Rooker had a better shirtless scene in this film. Rooker's shirtless scene is about showing vulnerability and developing Yondu's character. You learn something about him in that moment, but his own scene was just to show off his own bo- Peter Quill's body and didn't add anything to the character. Which I mean is true because true, I yeah. that part yeah when when uh 
when Peter's shirtless, I was just like, they just they just wanted to show him shirtless. Like there was no other reason for this. But at no point in my brain am I like, yeah, Yondu being shirtless in that scene is what made me think he was being vulnerable. No, no, I didn't think that. But like I feel like that scene yeah. makes more sense than than the yeah. Peter. Neither one. of them needed to be shirtless. No, I'm no. just saying. Neither of them needed to be shirtless. I'm not saying it was needed. <laughs> um they should have done the opposite. Yondu should have been wearing a shirt and then putting on his pants when we zoom in on him. Ew. Okay. In Watchmen, you, you I already had to, to see, see Dr. Manhattan's big blue no, dick. No, no, no. I don't I want don't... to see Yondu's. Why? You're assuming it's big. Two, I'm not saying we had to see anything. I just like to, I like the idea of Yondu is just so unhinged. He puts his shirt on before oh. his pants. Well, I mean, if you're tucking in your shirt, some people will do that. You put on the shirt first, then pull on the pants, and it's easier to tuck. I mean, like, before anything. That, that feel, I don't, that'd be really weird. That was, like, the first thing I you got to I think wow. I put my shirt on first. <laughs> I'm tr- trying to think about it now. No, I, I mean, I have underwear you on. Guys- <laughs> We're ending this conversation because I'm just going to have to edit it out if it continues, and I don't want to have to do that, so. Yeah. I'll tell you guys what I was going to say later. <laughs> I know. I think we both know what you were going to say, and we're going to move on. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, Vin Diesel recorded Groot's voice for sixteen foreign language releases of the film, up from the last film, which he oh, recorded. he learned a few six. I don't think he learned the languages. But... He learned "I am Groot" in the language. <laughs> yeah. Well enough that it doesn't sound like he's butchering it. I wonder what it is in, if Groot is a different word in French or if it is just Je suis Groot. Or. I mean, it's one of those things where it's tango like. Yo, yo, yo. No, Tango would mean I want. No, it would be I have. I have Groot. I ha- I ha- <laughs> yo, Tango Groot, give me the money. Yo, Quiero Groot is yeah. I want No, it would, it would be yo, yo Soy Groot. Yeah, it would be Yo Soy Groot. Yo Soy Groot. But it goes, I don't know, it's like that weird thing with foreign languages where it's like, if something's a brand or like a thing, a name doesn't get translated. Like Facebook is Facebook in every language. They do not take the word for face and the word for book and smush them together when they say that website. But but Um, if we're saying that Groot originates from the word root, maybe Groot is different in other languages. I have no idea. (laughs) Um... In September 2015, director James Gunn said in a Facebook post that he wanted to use the Sneepers, uh, an alien race that first appeared in the Marvel comics in 1964. Hey, that's like my mom. As background- Your mom appeared in a Marvel comic in 1964? No, my mom appeared on this earth in 1964. <laughs> also, the word Sneepers sounds like a Dr. Seuss It sounds race. like the Sneetches. I almost said Sneetches yeah. instead of Sneepers. Um, oh, no. Oh, no! What, did you just look them up? No! He was advised against it by Marvel's legal department because the word Sneepur is the Icelandic word for clitoris. Okay. (laughs) How did they figure that one out, but no one pointed out the daddy thing? I don't know. Like, who on the the legal team is fluent in ice... What what, what language you say? Icelandic. 
Yeah, it's fluent in Icelandic. I should be like, guys, 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 guys. One country's going to be very freaked out if that's the race we put in. It's like the thumb thumbs, See, but worse. The, but... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it can't exist. Anything they touch with. Never mind. <laughs> Watching Jordan's process what I just said is one of my favorite things that I've ever experienced. <laughs> Every so often, I say something that makes Jordan lose it. And it's like, I cherish those moments. Because you know, I just imagined. The, a thumb thumb but not a thumb yeah i know uh chris pratt said he found the workout regimen for this film easier than the one for the first film because he was already in great shape going into the film yeah yeah it's called maintenance rather than achieving i could have i mean yeah doesn't it got rocket science to figure that out yeah for this film however he only had to maintain the buff physique that's way easier maintaining is way easier than getting yeah there. It doesn't even have to be the same person. I'm sure me doing the workout of any Hollywood celebrity is going to be very hard for me and not that hard for them. Yeah. Like. <clears throat> James Gunn previously said that Stan Lee's cameo in the film was one of four cameos he filmed that day. Uh, the other ones were for um, Doctor Strange and another one that he did not specify. He didn't specify the other two. I think, I could be wrong. I think I've heard the, one of the other ones was Ant-Man and the Wasp. It might have been. Oh, wait, no, that one was so far out. Wait, no, no it wasn't. It, no, it wasn't. It was the next year. Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking timeline, not... Yeah. Crum yeah. Um, because they did do a thing where Stan Lee was just, like... I'm willing... Getting more frail. So they were like, let's just film a bunch of these generic ones. I think they filmed, like, seven in, like, yeah. the span of a year. Um, Because I think Homecoming was another one of the ones he filmed this day. Yeah, yeah, was I think, I think so. it was Doctor Strange, Homecoming, Ant Man and the Wasp, and Guardians Probably. of the Galaxy, and then they did it again, which were his cameos for Infinity War. Just Infinity War, because he doesn't have one in Endgame, does he? Yes, he does. Okay, so Infinity War and Endgame. Yeah. Um, and then, no, Captain Marvel's was he was actually filmed during the filming of Captain yeah. Marvel. Um. I was about to say the what it was and almost said mouse rat instead of mole rats. I fell into the pit. <laughs> um, I don't think uh, I don't think Kevin Smith would be that mad at me for that confusion. Um, anyways, uh, da, 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 da. he'd be mad that you could have that you almost made Stanley fall into the pit. Yeah. I Oh, good lord. Uh, um, I don't care about this. Oh, da, 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 da. It was one I didn't mean to put in here, but I accidentally did. While traveling via multiple space hops, one of the planets the ship travels past appears to be the Cronin homeworld. This is the home to Korg, the rock creature who appears in the planet Hulk storyline of Thor Ragnarok. Thor also already fought and defeated a Cronanite in Thor the Dark World. Um... Laura Haddock, i sorry, I almost said Lisa Haddock, because one of my favorite podcasts, that's the main character's name, is Lisa Haddock, and every time I look at it, I think Lisa. Uh, Laura Haddock, who played Meredith Quill, also appeared in Captain America the First Avengers as a fan of Captain America. Not as the same character. It was not Meredith Quill. There is a whole theory behind this, that, because she's the girl that, like, Cap is stunned by when she wants to take a okay, picture with. Yeah. And so there's a whole theory that 
they uh, hooked up that night. She got pregnant with Peter Quill's mama that she's actually Peter Quill's grandma and the super soldier serum is the only reason he was the only person that was able to uh, get the celestial gene. It's a very stupid theory. It's a dumb ass yeah, theory. No. Like they cast a character, an actress in a stupid role and then cast her a few years later in another throwaway role and didn't think about it. It happens. Um, the sequel, this sequel was announced uh, a, the week before the release of the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie at San Diego Comic-Con 2014. All right. Are we ready for the list of people that almost played Ego? It's long yes. and it's crazy. I'm so excited. Gar- now, how would you like me to do this? Would you like me to pause after each one for a reaction? Because I think you all both know all of these people. Some of them might need yeah. a reaction. Gary Oldman. Okay. I don't hate that one. Actually. I don't. I think of him only as um, Jim you Gordon, and I that's do. it. You don't think of him as serious. I also think of him all. as serious, but for some reason, because serious is my favorite character in the Harry books, Harry Potter books, by the way, fuck J.K. Rowling, but because um, serious is my favorite character in the Harry Potter books, and I love Gary Oldman, that's kind of its own like separate entity in my brain. I almost don't okay. think of gary oldman as serious i just think of it as like the one i think the way serious is written in the movies is the closest character adaptation from the books gotcha um vigo morgensen i know the name and I, i'd have to look up i the had face. to add to do that with gary know, like, oldman like he's in <laughs> oh okay I don't know what I've seen him in, but I've seen his face around. Um, he's was in the Green Book that just came out. Yeah, he's also in the Lord of the Rings movies. Wait, you you and I both know the Green Book just came out. Twenty eighteen, that came out. In relativity of time, it does. He's a guy who he looks like. No, 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 no. Hey, we had this argument the other Aragorn. day, and I was talking about something that comes out in December. This was three years ago now, so that no. Aragorn is who he plays in the. Lord oh of the wow, he's from okay. Jefferson County. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah, look at that. He he was born in Watertown. Yeah. Huh. That's fun. Cool. Um. <laughs> Christoph Waltz? I don't also don't know who that is, and I don't think... He is, like, a, on the same level, kind yeah. of like Christopher Plummer, like... He, problem is, is, like, Christoph Waltz's voice is so... He, it's such a thing with his character. Yeah, he's was in Inglorious Bastards and Django Unchained, Adelita Battle Angel, a bunch of the James Bond movies. Like, he's, like... Yeah, kind of like this mix of like Christopher Plummer and like Werner Herzog. I'm looking at him. I really like him as an actor. I just feel like this would have been a weird choice again because of the voice mainly. And he is a phenomenal actor. His work in Inglorious Bastards is is great. But um, yeah, Christopher Plummer, who you obviously all know, yes. Uh, which I think in my brain he is now Harlan. I I get that. I mean, I don't really know his other works, but like he's been around for so long. I at least feel like the last, the kind of the last look he had. Yeah, that's that's what's always going to be associated and, with him. I mean, yeah, and it's just also like, um, the sound of music. Why can't I think of that character? He's always going to be that um, in my head. Um, fucking uh, Von Trapp. Yeah, Mr. Von Captain Trapp. Von Trapp. I can't think of his first yeah. name. Yeah, thank you. I, I couldn't think of his title. I, 
I understand ego's a thousand years old and that the human form is just an image, but you know, our minds are always going to forget that at moments. So I feel like he would have been too old for you to look at him and Chris Pratt and be like, that's the dude's dad. He's also an up. He's the villain. Oh. He's, I mean, he's been in a bunch of movies. Yeah. He's a bad guy. Not, um, he's also in a really like a not well-known Kathy Bates movie called, uh, Dolores Claiborne. He's also in Fievel in American Tale, which is the first movie I ever saw with Christopher Plummer. And for a long time, whenever somebody would say Christopher Plummer, and I would go, who? My dad would go from American Tale, and I went, okay. <laughs> okay, let's keep going with the long list. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is the one that you guys might not know. Max von Sydow? I don't know. You guys might not know that one. I don't know I him don't. super well, Yeah. They were really going for old, yeah. older actors. I mean, Kurt Russell is not a young man. He looks it a little more. Cause, which is shocking, because he did a fuck ton of drugs. In <laughs> hey, listen, man. He's he's ego, and he's, you know, the commander. He's a stronghold. He can handle the drugs. Kurt Russell is 70. He looks a lot better mm-hmm. than 70. Mm-hmm. Also, Max von Sydow is the old dude at the very beginning of The Force Awakens. Yeah. He, he's just, it's not, like, he's a character actor. So, like, I wasn't sure if you guys would know him by He name. died last year. Um, yes, he did. Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I'm sorry. That, was, that is the next on the list, is Alec Baldwin. <laughs> I just went, yeah, they're really casting old, and you go, Alec Baldwin. Yudge, it's gonna be Yudge. Yeah. I can't. He just then then we come to the one that I Oh, go ahead, Victor. And now I'm just hearing like his Trump impression and that would be I'm going to I'm going to huge the whole universe. Huge. That was terrible, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That or his character from the cat in the hat is like the one thing <laughs> the two things that come to mind. Oh my god. Um so, and then we come to the one that I think if they hadn't picked Kurt Russell, this would have been the best next choice, Ron Perlman. Okay. Wow. He just, he would have been a good ego. He's from Sons of Anarchy and Hellboy. The main thing I know him from is Hellboy. Um, the good one, not the shitty one with David Harbour. <laughs> they did that man and that movie franchise so dirty. But. Like, that's not a reboot, right? Like, it's a, it's a, it's a, a third it's one. A, no, it's a remake. Okay. Um, because it's it's a completely different story that they never covered in the Ron Perlman ones, but it's not the third script that um. Del it's Toro not the same wrote. continuity. Yeah, it's not the same continuity. There is only one That's Hellboy. It. Um, I've only seen scenes from the new one, but I heard it was garbage. So, yeah. and I love the original too. So I watch them more frequently than I care to admit. So is that the whole list? No. Not even close. Oh. Stephen Lang, who's who's not a big, he's fine. Like he's a good name, but like it's not. I have no opinion on it. This is the Buffett sixty-eight-year-old <laughs> I've ever seen in my goddamn yeah. life. Good for him. Yeah, that's like his thing. He's the scary old man in Don't Breathe, and they're making a sequel to Don't Breathe, and I don't want it. Oh. He's also in all the. He's going to be in like all the Avatar movies he lives through. But yeah, yeah. 
He's the turkey baster guy. I forgot that was a thing in that movie. Fuck that movie, my man. <laughs> Fuck that movie. <laughs> I haven't even watched it. I watched the CinemaSins version on it. And that video opens, the CinemaSins video opens with Jeremy going, guys, I'm going to warn you right now. The ending to this movie is fucking repulsive. I'm going to put a warning on it. So if you don't want to watch what happens, you can skip it. I will say what happens. It's like in the trailers, it, he's kind of play. I don't know. It's weird. Like you don't expect him. You don't expect that. And then what makes it worse is they shove it down his throat. Which also, how are they making a sequel? <laughs> the man's in prison. Whatever. Doesn't matter. But yes, he was almost cast as Ego. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Makes weird amount of sense. I think the accent would have detracted Yeah. From yeah. Um, Bruce Willis. I don't like that. I don't like that one. Neither do I. And I have a, I have a feeling. And you like Bruce Willis. No, I don't. You don't? Not after reading Kevin Smith's book. I love the Ooh. fifth element. Don't get it confused. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I love the fifth element, but I don't... Bruce Willis is not my favorite part of that movie. My favorite two parts of that movie are the girl who plays Lilo and uh, Gary Oldman. And Chris Rock. Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. I always fuck that up. I always say the wrong one. And my dad always, without fail, goes Chris Tucker. <laughs> Chris Rock's the 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 SNL Adam Sandler friend. Think of it that way. I just, Chris I Tucker's Rush out. Hour. Um, Robert De Niro. I don't I don't know how I feel about that one in a lot of yeah, different ways. I don't I don't know. Um, I can't imagine Ego being a fucking mob boss. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next one is um, I'm I hope I say this man's last name right. Um, Michael. Bien, I think is how it's it's pronounced. He's in the Terminator movies and the Alien movies and Abyss. Like he's in a lot of like those. He's um Sergeant Kyle Reese in the Terminator movies. Okay. Maybe uh, that's I'm neutral Maybe. about this one. Yeah, I mean Bien? I don't know. Bien? Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but um he was a big action star in like the early 2000s. Uh, the one that really surprises me on this list, Mel Gibson. Whoa. I thought in 2016 that his career was effectively over at that point, that that's a weird consideration. Um, I mean, Daddy's Home came out in 2015. Oh, no, he wasn't in the first one. He was in the second one. Yeah. Came out the same year. I'm just saying. It did come out before. It- Mel, Mel, Gibson, Mel Gibson is from Peekskill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, Mel Gibson would have been a bad choice. Yep. Liam Neeson. I feel like they're saving him for, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't, if, if the MCU is going to put Liam Neeson in there, like you got to save it. Well, he was considered for the role of ego. And the last one. I feel like I don't hate that, like that, like, I don't know. I don't hate Liam Neeson as ego because ego reminds me of Ra's al Ghul. And is in a twisted way. I, I get what you're. I, I see the comparison you're making, but I feel like Liam Neeson play, would have played him too calmly. And I know ego, not until the very end, like doesn't lash out, but he has enough of like he's animated enough. I I think it would have been an interesting juxtaposition to have ego be so calm, especially when Peter freaks out when he realizes what 
like when you have that big reveal of who ego really is having a very calm very stoic thing while like peter's emptying his guns i feel like would be a really creative juxtaposition but not necessarily for the tone of these movies yeah if they were more more like a captain america tone of movie or more of like a iron man or like just any of the grittier marvel movies or it was a dc film i'd be like okay but because it's not i'm like yeah yeah and the last one who could not do it because of his role in dark tower matthew mcconaughey oh oh my god i hate it 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 he passed on the role to have his role in the dark tower um my skin is crawling. <laughs> Why? Like, Do you hate Matthew McConaughey? I just, there's something about him that, like, makes me uncomfortable. I think it's just because, like, I don't know, his accent or something. I don't know. I don't. He just seems like a weird dude. He's wild. He's a wild man. He, he makes me uncomfortable. All right, all right. Yeah, and, like... I feel I feel very bad for him that that's what everybody knows him for because he has had a great. No, I have nothing against him as an actor. To be fair, mm-hmm. I just think him as a person is weird. Um, the Sovereign design were based on the 1930s Art Deco and 1950s science fiction fashion, um, which is fun. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I was incorrect about Mantis. In the comics, Mantis is half German and half Vietnamese. In the movies, Palm Clementif, who plays her, is half Korean, half Russian. Okay. Yeah. Um, I thought she was also Vietnamese, but oops. Um, according to James Gunn, he wanted John C. Riley to reprise his role as Nova Corpsman Day, but due to scheduling conflicts, they were unable to do this. Similarly, Glenn Close did film scenes as Nova Prime Arani Rael, but they were cut due to time constraints. Yeah, this movie was long. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was fun, but it was long. Yeah. Towards the beginning of the movie, Nebula says that if they set her free, she won't kill Gamora, to which Peter replies, you would think that an evil supervillain would learn how to properly lie. This hints at what Thanos will later confirm in Avengers Infinity War, which is he never taught his daughters how to lie. Um, David Hasselhoff, who appears briefly, was the first actor to ever play Nick Fury on screen in Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, obviously, this is the role. It's... It- out Victoria, just to be clear, it's not a whitewashed thing. No, 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 no. I know you guys. You guys told me that a okay. while ago, but it just um, is funny. Chris Sullivan's taser face makeup took two, uh, two point five to three point five hours to put on. That's wild. That his took longer than Drax's, and his is literally just mainly. Well, because they had done Drax's before. That's the other thing with makeup is when you've been doing it for as long as you were for filming Guardians Volume One, like you get it down to a science where you can probably like cut down on the time. Yeah. Um. The car Ego is driving with Meredith Quill at the beginning of the film. The 1978 Ford Mustang II King Cobra is painted a metallic teal, blue, and orange, the same color as his son Peter's. Quill's Milano M. Ship. When the character of Aisha was first introduced in the comics, she was just named Her and was created as a counterpart to the character Adam Warlock, who was originally just named Him. She then took on the name Kismet and was later renamed later as Aisha. 
in the Fantastic Four comics when the four asks for her names. She replies, I've had many, but the most appropriate is Aisha, she who must be obeyed. Both the name Aisha and the sobriquet She Who Must Be Obeyed are references to the 1887 adventure novel She, A History of Adventure by H. Ryder Haggard. In the novel, the main character, also a priestess named Aisha, and is referred to throughout as She Who Must Be Obeyed. The elaborate Art Deco-style costume and production design for this film's Aisha is a nod to the most famous adaptation of uh, Haggard's novel, She, in 1935, an American film produced by RKO Radio Pictures. Um, Marvel Studios made a statement regarding the future of the Guardians franchise, saying that Avengers Infinity War would take place four years after the film, uh, which in turn takes place in 2014, three months after Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the film is part of Chapter 3 of Phase 3 in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, even though it takes place in Phase 2. It is the um, second movie in the MCU to do, well, the first to come out, but one of two, the other one being Captain Marvel, which came out in Phase 3 but takes place bef- during phase one in theory. Yeah. If you, yeah. Um, Benedicto del Toro, who portrayed the collector in Guardians of the Galaxy. Benicio. Benicio. Thank you. I always say that wrong. It's fine. Uh, expressed interest in portraying the character again, despite Marvel not contacting him about the sequel. Your time will come, my man. <laughs> yes. Uh, the license plate on Ego's uh, car in the very beginning in the scene is the same as James James Gunn's high school car. Oh. Um, see, I really thought you were about to be like, it's from Guardians, blah, blah, blah. And I was about to be like, yeah, anytime you see a license plate in a comic book movie, assume it references something. one of the biggest comic. And I'm like, no, okay, this one's actually gotcha. Yeah. Mantis compares the idea of Ego's planet form uh, to having people's, having people, Mantis compares the idea of Ego's planet form, having people settle on him to inviting fleas to live on your body. In Rocket Raccoon 6, published in 2014, Rocket takes a job exterminating giant fleas that have settled on Ego. Good. Yeah. Um, Olivia Jackson, the stunt woman for Nebula in the first movie, suffered a traumatic brain injury and an arm injury that led to amputation, as well as multiple fractures to the left side of her face, which required reconstructive surgery. These injuries occurred when she struck a misplaced camera crane while filming a motorcycle stunt for Resident Evil, the final chapter. Coincidentally, Nebula in this movie and in uh, volume one has a prosthetic left arm and a reconstructed left side of her face. That's just a creepy one. Yeah, Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the comics, Peter Quill's father is Jay, son of Spartax, the alien Spartoi Empire. In this movie, his father is Ego, the living planet, which is a totally unrelated character. Yeah. Um, despite the announcement that Nathan Fillion was cast in this film, he never appears. <laughs> Do you remember that? There was a huge announcement that Nathan Fillion was going to be in the second Guardians movie, and then he just never came, and everybody was like, Okay. Who was he supposed to be? Because it doesn't. They never announced. Either. They never said who he was playing. They just confirmed that he was cast, and then what? What if he, probably character they got? What if he was ego? <laughs> <laughs> uh, this... You think maybe they were going to have Adam Warlock hatch, and it was going to be him? I don't know. Uh, the scene where Gamora runs as Nebula runs as Nebula shoots at her from a plane is an homage to the scene from Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. I don't know why that scene makes me laugh so much because then they just cut to 
Nebula going, ah, as she dives this giant plane towards a little person. <laughs> yeah. Um. Do, 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 do. One of all, it, this movie is one of only four Marvel Cinematic Universe movies to feature full opening credits. The others are Iron Man 2, The Incredible Hulk, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, this is Michael Rosen, Rosenbaum's first foray as a Marvel comic character. He has played several good yawn live action and animated DC comic characters, including Lex Luthor on the television series Smallville, as well as Wally West slash The Flash in several animated television shows and movies. Who do you play in this? Um, Taserface, didn't he? No. Who did he play? Fuck, wait. He portrayed Martinex. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I did that one already. That appears like eight times. Um, the zoom that Cragen gives to Quill towards the end of the film was originally a digital music player made by Microsoft in uh, between 2006 and 2011. It was later discontinued because of poor sales when compared to the iPod and other digital music players and was never something that everybody's listening to on earth as stated. Which is why it's so funny. That's the joke. Yeah. That's the whole joke. I'm aware. It's still just like, it's explaining the joke to the people who don't know. Yeah. Because to be honest with you, I didn't know what the fuck a Zune was before. Did you really not know? (laughs) No. My cousin had one for a hot minute. I feel Um, like everybody knew at least one person that had one. I went to Catholic I, school, my man. I don't know what you guys expect from so me. Did Whenever my cousin, I don't know and shit. And he had a zoom while in Catholic school. Yeah, but like. Okay, oh the iPod were for the dirty, dirty, non-religious people. <laughs> but the Zune. Why? I don't know. Because it was mainstream. I don't know. That opened up a can of worms I wasn't ready for. Because <laughs> it was all just what I mean is like 2006, 2011, I was in Catholic school. We weren't allowed to have our music players out ever. Like they would be confiscated for the entire year. So we didn't know what he Oh, uh, okay. That's, over- that's overkill. Yu-Gi-Oh cards and Pokemon cards were also banned. Not because of the normal reasons that they're banned at Catholic school, which is the whole evolution thing. Uh, just because the it turned into a intense black market trade at my school <laughs> to the point where they all had to be banned. Uh Dodgeball was banned for us being too violent, and silly bands were banned for uh, the intense black market trade that was taking part of the playground. That truly involved one kid at the center of all of it who would stand in the middle of the playground. Had my best comparison could be to actual drug lieutenants in the other grades because it was split up. Um, K through two had a at a recess and lunch together. Three, four, and five had recess and lunch together, and then six, seven, and eight had recess and lunch together. And he had a l- younger sibling that was in like second grade that handled it for that recess. They had a friend in the middle section that handled it for that, and he was in sixth grade when I was in seventh. And he ran this like black market for <laughs> silly bands where we would people would go out and buy silly bands with their allowance money and then trade them out, and it turned into this massive black market. That's pit. so funny. I love that. Honestly, like yeah. that kid. It was that kid's getting. It was intense, in and it was. How, Where's he at now? Is he like this? Is he a CEO, no tech billionaire? Or that something? could be like the next Facebook movie, the next social network movie. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like that shows initiative. A black market silly band thing. It is how I was given one silly band by somebody that, cause I, I didn't really know what they were. And like, I was given one and through trading through this like network ended up with like 20. It was intense and insane. And, and when he got in trouble for it, he was like, not for nothing. You guys taught us how to gamble. <laughs> like you taught us math. For you taught us to do weird things here. Yeah. I figured this out because of the skills you taught me. Um, if anything, you should let me skip a grade. <laughs> truly. Um, and he didn't get caught. We didn't get caught. Like this entire organization, like thing went on for months. He's either doing great or he's legitimately running an organized crime syndicate right yeah. now and it was like a full-on like when teachers would come over it'd be like scatter we weren't here we were not doing something together run <laughs> like wherever you were going in this parking lot go there was a big tree on the parking lot we had recess on that that's where all the shady shit happened like where we would but how shady can it be it's just like oh hey you have a, p- a pineapple i have a cat you want to switch he had it split because remember they had ones that were like four franchises like yeah. that went along with it. This was the same thing with fucking Webkins and Webkins cards and Webkins codes because there was a psycho kid in my grade who used to cut the tags off Webkins and stores and sell the codes. But wait, don't the codes not work unless they're scanned? No, they work if they're not scanned. That was later wow, on when this started. Stupid. The code not working unless it was scanned came later on. That's why you'll see on Webkins if you look at the tags, the early Webkins, the barcode isn't on the tag. It was a separate thing on like the plastic closure so it had nothing to do with it and then later it was if it was scanned but yeah and so he would go through and cut them off or he'd just steal the whole toy and like he was crazy he's definitely in prison now but like (laughs) (laughs) like because he was nuts but yeah like we had multiple like black market trades at this good um for various popular toys um yeah uh, I think that's all of my fun facts. Um, James Gunn wanted to feature the cosmic entity and guardian member Adam Warlock in this film, but decided to keep him uh, for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming out in 2023 because he felt this film already had too many characters. Um, he also did confirm recently that Adam Warlock is still going to be a part of Guardians 3. Yeah. Um... Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume 2. Volume 2. Um, any final thoughts or questions? or Fun. Yondu deserved better. Oh, also that. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with um, this one. Yeah, it's a good one. Um... A last little little thing. So there is a um, the first Marvel ride to appear in a Disney parks was the overhaul of the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror into Guardians of the Galaxy Mission Breakout, in which uh, all of the team except for Rocket are kidnapped by the Collector and being held in his fortress at the Tibian Collection. The ride canonically takes place between the two movies, and guests are helping Rocket get the Guardians out and helping them escape. There are six different things that you can tracks and drop sequences on the ride, and it's random. You just get whatever random one. 
The songs include I Want You Back by the Jackson 5. This is the first scenario of the Guardians jumping from their confinement only for Drax to get captured by a tentacled monster. My nose itches. I'm so sorry. I thought they say first because it's happened multiple times. No, it's the first scenario of the ride. There are six different ride uh, scenarios. Every time you go on the ride, you have a chance of seeing like various rides to a different track. That's cool. Um, well, because it's two elevator towers and they're each um, programmable to their own thing. Also, if you want to be fascinated by an animatronic, look at the videos of the Rocket Raccoon animatronic because it's phenomenal. It's crazy how good it looks. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's nuts. Because that's the only animatronic on the ride. The rest is screens. Um, the second scenario to I Want You Back shows Quill kicking a rat-like creature into cages before being attacked by a group of them. Um, the second... Can I help you? <laughs> Can I move you, please? I'm sorry. The second song is Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. There's <gasps> a scenario with... I love Pat Benatar. Yeah. <laughs> Which includes a scenario... Is that one even on No. No, some of these were ones that James Gunn had as, like, inspiration music, but never had used. And others were ones that they just picked on their own. Monster. <laughs> um, the first scenario shows Peter shooing away a tentacled monster, ending with both of them, both of them and Gamora running from a fleet of security drones. Um, the next, the other scenario to this song shows a giant gargoyle-like creature jumping up and roaring at the guests. Guess, Drax jumps out of the creature's mouth, punches it on the nose, laughs, turns to the guests, and says, you're welcome. Uh, the next one is Give Up the Funk, which is the one that, like, I know a lot of people that have been on this ride, and I don't know anybody who's been on the Give Up the Funk, <laughs> uh, scenario. Um, it's, it's like the hidden track, the lost track. It's just because it's so randomized that, like, for a long time, people thought that each elevator would cycle and that, in theory, if you went on and it was give up the funk and you wanted to go on the sixth one, you could get back in line and hope by, like, the time you were back up, you'd be on that round. But it's just completely randomized. Gotcha. Um, Give up the funk has Quill and Gamora and the the tentacles of the tentacle monster with Quill and Gamora asking for Rocket's help. Following scenario shows Quill kicking the rat-like creatures into cages. Then it's Free Ride by the Edgar Wood Winter Group, um, which involves Baby Group pushing a red button that turns off the artificial gravity. Um, that's most people's favorite one. Um, Burning Love by Elvis Presley is the sick, the fifth song. Um, this contains the scenario of the Guardians jumping from their confinement only for Drax to be captured by the monster. The next part shows the giant gargoyle-like creature jumping up, roaring at guests, that whole thing. The last song is Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf, which is the same as Quill and Gamora trapped in the arms of the tentacled monster. What, what yeah. Disney park is this at? Disneyland. We're going on it. It. <laughs> yeah. I've never been on Tower of Terror. I'm willing in either park. I'm willing to go on it for the Guardians overlay. It will now be part of Marvel's Avengers Campus. Um, it'll be at the back. Fun. I know. I'm so excited. I am mad though that the Gar- Marvel's Avengers Campus is opening in a like when Disneyland opens at the end of the month. I, Marvel Avengers Campus is I opening. I heard it wasn't. They push it. Yeah, they drive me 
<laughs> Crazy. So, okay, I, well, um, I don't know. Did you read this recently? Because I read like a m- month or so ago that it wasn't opening with Disneyland. I reopening. don't know when I read that it was. Okay. I it's, don't know. We'll, we'll look at it after. Let's, let's. I'll figure it out. <laughs> Anyways. So that has been Marvel School for Dummies, Guardians Galaxy Volume 2. We'll be back next week with Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Learn Jass, on Instagram at Learn.jass, and you can follow Jordan and I on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Orphan Gamers. We are trying to become Twitch affiliates, so come give us a follow and a watch. Jordan, where can the good people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Jordan underscore Deeb, as well as at White Point Podcast on Twitter, where you will find our link tree, where we have our YouTube links and our uh, links to every other podcast service that we're on. We talk about uh, pop culture stuff like this, nerdy debates, and we are doing reactions to every Marvel show. And Victoria, where can they find you? You can find me on Instagram at Victoria Lyman. Um, All of these accounts will also be linked in the description below if you're too lazy to look it up. Yeah, and also some of our names are hard to spell. And by some, I mean mine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what's this hour stuff? Yeah. Uh, What? Like, what's this hour stuff? Our names? Just your your name's hard. It's just my name is difficult. Jordan's name is exactly how it sounds. And Victoria's name is also exactly how it sounds. All right. Well, with that, class is dismissed. We will see you next week. Thank you and goodbye. Bye-bye.